Hello and welcome back to the Football Sesh podcast. You're joined today by me, the host, James Milliard, and my co-host, Sammy Solden. It has been a while since we recorded the podcast. I would say welcoming us back to the podcast studio, but of course, COVID times still exist, so we're recording this over a Zoom call. And the reason I'm doing a little voiceover intro at the moment is because we had a bit of audio issues, as you do with Zoom, and half of our intro got cut out, so... I'm redoing it as usual, classic podcast editing here, and I will just introduce you to what we're talking about today. You will hear me introduce the podcast in a short moment, but essentially me and Sammy are having a get-together and discussion about the season so far. We recorded this about halfway through the season, and it's just a little talk about best players of the season, team of the season, who do we think is going to win the Champions League and the Premier League, who do we think is getting relegated and best signings and worst signings of the season and then there's a little quiz at the end anyway you'll hear me go over this again anyway but welcome back to the football sesh and let's get going today's episode is focused on everything to do with this season so far so me and sammy are going to be collectively building a team this season whilst also putting forward our team of our own then we're going to go through premier league signings of the season and flops of the season and at the end we're going to do a little quiz well, I've prepared a quiz for Sammy, which will test his uh, sado football knowledge, which I normally excel in. But I'm the host today, so I will not be partaking in the quiz. But, I, mean, I, I would say I'm half the sado you are. Well, even half the sado as me is quite good, mate, because I honestly feel like I'm the biggest football virgin out there. So I'm sure, well, I'm sure you'll do very well, well with this quiz. But um, anyway, so the season so far has been... It's been an interesting season, actually. We've got basically... Well, we did have three teams who were killing it and looked untouchable, which is now start, slowly starting to come down to one team at the top. And then the middle of the table is so congested where, well, a team like Southampton can win one game, two games on the bounce, and suddenly they're up towards the uh, top 10. If they don't win those games, they're thinking about relegation. And then obviously at the bottom of the table, you've got three or two or three teams who just might as well start planning for the championship now. So... It's been an interesting season so far and um, I just want to go through what our opinions are on who's going to win the league, who's going to qualify for European competitions and who's going to go down. So, Sammy, first of all, well, first of all we'll start with champions. Is there anyone to look, part, uh, look at aside from Man City at the moment for Premier League champions? In my opinion, no. Um, I think they're starting to run away with it and I think Liverpool losing Salah, Mane, Keita, um, obviously the first, two, the first one really being the most important. Um, that will really, really damage Liverpool's title hope. City are only going to lose Mahrez and that's it. Um, we're going to lose Mondi as well, Chelsea. So I, I don't see us winning the title. I don't think we've got the consistency there. Um, and I think the injuries are really starting to hit us. And I think, yeah, for Liverpool, you know, that, that game, the last game they played uh, was, was a sign that City have that upper edge. And um, in my opinion, yeah. I think City are going to run away with it very soon. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can't really argue with that. I think... If we had done this podcast maybe a few weeks ago, I maybe still would have put forward Liverpool. But watching the Leicester game and the last few games actually for Liverpool, Mo Salah has particularly looked... I don't know. He's not out of form as such. I just think he's tired. And he has played a lot of football. And essentially, if he's not ticking over, Liverpool seem to... Well, they just don't look anywhere near as powerful. And getting beaten by Leicester yesterday and obviously the Chelsea re- uh, results of recent time kind of confirmed to me that the City and run away a bit. But... I don't know why we're surprised by that. You, you just look across their squad and obviously Pep Guardiola being the manager. It, it's not a shock to me because I think 
Chelsea, for me, at the start of the season were the closest thing, in my mind, to beating City to the title. Just because you have got deep, well, you've got deep squad, you've got players all over the pitch, and you have got, well, Romelu Lukaku, who should hopefully by the end of the season be a 20 goal a season striker. But I just think for Chelsea, it's uh, maybe a season too soon to start talking about Premier League champions. I think in another dimension, we might have got it this season, maybe without COVID, maybe without the injuries we've had. Um, you know, imagine if City lost Bardo Silva, that would be quite a big thing for them. Um, and that we've lost, you yeah. know, Kovacic, Kante, Jorginho at times. We've lost Lukaku for a big chunk of it. We've we've had problems with injuries. We've now lost Rhys James, Ben Chilwell. So, you know, I think next season, if we get a bit more luck, we could be in for it. But this season just hasn't gone our way. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe in a um, in an Andrew Garfield dimension or a Tommy Maguire dimension, you might be Premier League champions. But at the moment, I think you're probably going to come third or second. But we'll see how the season plays out. Um, I think we should move on to the top four positions then. So, obviously, if we both decided that Man City are going to be the champions, who do you see filling up the next few spots? Uh, I think that Chelsea will come second. I think Liverpool will come third. And I think Tottenham will come fourth. Oh, that's a, that's a big shout, that. I think um, fourth and fifth will be, very, will be very close between Tottenham and Arsenal. That's the way it's going. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because I've actually opted for Liverpool second, Chelsea third and Arsenal fourth. But I do feel like Tottenham will push them for it as well. And even West Ham, to be honest, because without... Well, I think people will actually miss out West Ham in this sort of top four discussion. But for some reason, West Ham, despite getting injuries and Antonio basically going over a month without scoring a goal, they still seem to keep ticking over and getting results. But I think I think top four might be a little bit too far for West Ham. Yeah, I, I don't think. If I just think that when you compare West Ham to Tottenham as they are now, and Conte look much much better um, in general. And I think offloading a couple of Deadwood players as well will help. Not mentioning their name, Day Ali. Um, and I, I, you just think, would do you think West Ham can consistently do better than Arsenal, or Tottenham at the moment? No, I don't think they can. That's why I put West Ham just below the top top four rest. Um, I just don't know if they've got the squad to go right to the depth. It's it's a little bit like Leicester when Leicester obviously were in the top four for a long time, and then came out of it right at the end. And I think West Ham is similar just because they don't quite have the squad there. Yeah, it's fair enough. And also, I think what we need to remember as well, they're actually behind Arsenal and I think Spurs now, or they still ahead of Spurs. But either way. They're pretty much level with those two teams and we, we all know how badly Arsenal and Tottenham started this season and they're still around the same position anyway. So I think the fact that both those teams have now come to form and have players firing probably shows that they're going to finish above West Ham. Because of course, with Tottenham under Conte now, they're not only playing in a much better system and conceding less goals, but they've also started getting Harry Kane in with the goals. And if Harry Kane actually starts playing even half of the play was last season, I think Spurs are pushing for the top four. But I think it's interesting that none of us have mentioned a certain uh, team from Manchester for finishing in the top four. Well, I feel like United is a bit of an unknown because I think Ranić still a bit of an unknown. He's only had, like, what, two, three games in charge. We don't really know much about him or his style of play. Um, honestly, his style of play so far has just been confusing. Um it's, I think the next couple of games will be the real telltale, and you know when they when they play a big team as well, it's, it's the real test for a team like Man United. So I've, I just I'm not putting Man United in that yet, but you do this podcast in a month's time, maybe I consider them. 
but from what I've seen so far, yeah. it just seems a bit like a mess at the moment. Well, of course, that's the whole thing with doing a half-season like prediction video where Man United could string a few um, good games together, Ronaldo could be firing, or even Jane Sancho could come out of nowhere and start actually playing like he was at Dortmund. And suddenly this would be a completely different conversation because the fact is there is only, I think, uh, between West Ham, Tottenham and United, there is actually only a three-point difference. And United and Tottenham still have two games to play because of postponements and stuff. So it could all change. But I personally, for me, uh, I've seen enough of United this season to think they won't even finish near the top four because I just, despite Ronaldo scoring consistently and, well, that's about it. <laughs> if I'm honest, if I had to talk about United's season, it's literally... If Ronaldo hasn't scored or David De Gea hasn't pulled out of madness, they're just they're conceding so many goals. And there are other big players like Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho, even Marcus Rashford, as much as I hate to say it, they've really underperformed this season. And you can't you can't get into the top four anymore in the Premier League just by having a, a good striker. So I don't, I don't think they're finishing the top four. But for Europa League spots, then if we if we're pretty certain on the top four being out of Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, or Tottenham. Who do you think is going to be in the Europa League? Um, well, because there's only two spots now, because obviously because of the Europa Conference League. So I personally think it will be either Tottenham or Arsenal. And then I want to say West Ham, but there's a dark horse there. There's two dark horses, I think, because you've got many nice, obviously, who are going to be in and around that. I think Wolves, consistently decent, solid team. Uh, Bruno Lager's done a very good job there. So they could be challenging for it. Maybe Europa Conference League for them. Um, and then the other team that I says are a big dark horse is Leicester, who are creeping up the table bit by bit. You know they, they were thirteenth and last a minute ago, now they're ninth and on the way up. Um, you know the performances against City, Liverpool have shown that they have the quality and the uh, the team spirit and everything to go to go all the way. And I think that to me is a sign that Leicester are a team that is not going to give up on Europe, even even though people write them off right now. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, actually, because I, I, I think everyone wants to see West Ham get into Europe again. But you look at the quality of teams around them, I just I think it's going to be quite hard for them. I think yeah. if one of Arsenal and Tottenham don't make the top four, they'd definitely be in Europa League spots. And I just think it'd be mental if Man U didn't at least get Europa League, especially like they fought Ranić in to steady the shit and at least get them Europe of some sort. And if he, if he couldn't even do that, I think it'd be ridiculous, really. But... Personally, I think it'll be Tottenham and Man United who get into the uh, Europa League spots. And I think West Ham will probably get Conference League. But I do actually think Wolves and Leicester could push them because the only thing that stops me saying Leicester is just because, as we know with Leicester, they're traditionally bottle jobs, especially under Brendan Rodgers. But this season's been a completely different season for a Brendan Rodgers-Leicester side where they've actually started off so poorly and are now creeping up. And a massive win against Liverpool yesterday shows that they're still fighting for it. And like what I was trying to say earlier with this season, a team that is around the uh, 15th, 14th spot, get a couple of wins, suddenly they're right up there. So obviously, personally, I'm actually uh, hoping for Southampton to get Deli Alley on loan in January and uh, make it to the Conference League. Would you even want to be in the Conference League? I feel like if you were in the Conference League, just hypothetically saying, it would really, really fuck up your squad completely. <laughs> no, you're right. I'm, I'm only joking. I don't... What even is the Conference League? You know, it's... It's a stupid competition. I don't think anyone actually does respect it. Spurs did not care that they got eliminated from that. Uh, you know, who who's really bothered by that? 
I don't think it's a, a t- competition that teams like Spurs and any team in the Premier League wants to be in because it just you know take it's just like what what are you playing for there? A place in Europa League. It, to me, it's just it's just an example of UEFA wanting um, to make money. That's all it is. That is all it is because to be honest, even before the Conference League was a thing, most teams who got into the Europa League, whilst for like a Southampton or I don't know maybe a Wolves when they first started playing well in the Premier League. That might have been quite a big deal. But once you're actually in it, no one really cares. It's like when Southampton got in the Europa League a few years ago and the actual achievement of getting into it was like quite a good thing. We were really, really proud of that at the time. But once the Europa League actually kicked off, no one cared because it's just, it's just a distraction from the league. And when smaller clubs get in there who don't have the uh, massive squads of big clubs, it's just, it's just so annoying and it disrupts the season. I think... I think... For a team like West Ham to be Europa Conference League again, it's the sort of thing where all the fans give give a toss about it now, especially as they're being in the Europa League. For me, I mean, can you imagine Man United in the Europa Conference League? It's just a joke. I just think, I just think no one wants to be in that competition. Yeah, exactly. No, so you're right there. But moving on from the uh, European talk, I oh, I forgot to add actually. I think that it will be West Ham to get the Conference League spot. But moving on from that. Um, is there anything to actually debate regarding relegation zones? Because in my mind, there's definitely two teams who are down. And okay, there's one spot really in my head that's up for debate, but I personally already feel like Norwich and Newcastle down. I agree about that. I definitely 100% agree about Norwich being down. They don't have the quality in that squad. I feel like they'll just make some more bad signings in the winter. Um and the thing is, you bring in Dean Smith and they don't even actually look any better at all. Um, I've realised that lately. Newcastle, I think, are, I'm going to say, 75% down. Because I do feel like there's... Because they've got St. Maxman and Wilson, and they'll probably bring in a couple good players in January. Um, they have got a slight chance, but it's just when you look at the overall squad and the way the, way that the, the, the squad, the, the mentality of the club still is, in my opinion, it's still very much... They're like almost destined for the championship this season, just because the way things are going for them. Um, it's obviously great for them that they've got this takeover, but the, what they've been left with is a team that is very, very low in confidence and a, and a squad that is not stacked much quality. And then, yeah, I'd agree that the uh, the other spaces for me, uh, in my opinion, are mainly between Leeds and Watford, the 18th. Okay, so you you don't think Burnley? I think Burnley will be in and around. I think there's four other teams that will be in and around, and I'll get into that in a minute. But Leeds and Watford, for me, are the two worst teams in, out of the rest. Especially if Leeds lose, lose Rafinha in the winter, they're done. In my opinion, they've got that. That's them in 18th. And Watford have got the worst defence in the league. And I think when it comes to crunch time, that is the most important thing in, when you're batting relegation is to have a good defence. Burnley's defence is arguably a lot stronger than Watford's. It's a lot stronger. It's a much more organised unit. And that's what I think will separate them from being like Watford. Because if Dennis... Dennis is going to go to AFCON. If Josh King stops scoring, he's not even scoring that many at the moment anyway. What have they got? What have Watford got? They've got nothing. They've got Cucho Hernandez, mate. That's exactly. all they've got. <laughs> that's the point. They've got, they haven't got any end product there. You know, consistent yeah. end product that is going to replace Dennis. So... That's why I think that Leeds and Watford are the most likely to go down because I just think that Burnley, they've got a lot of games in hand now. They get a couple of wins of that. They're back up to where near where sort of Southampton are. So I think they'll be all right. Oh, okay, so if I, if I had to push you for one, the one other team that's going to go down, who who would you say? 
Um, then I'd say Watford. Yeah. Okay, that's. I, I see. I see where you're going with that. They're well. They're down there for a reason, and I, you are right. I think Watford. If Dennis, well, Dennis goes to Afcon, or when Dennis probably inevitably stops his ridiculous run he's on, they're left with Josh King, who. Your club's totally rested on Josh King. As much as I've always backed him as a player, it's not really what you want. But personally, for me, I've actually put obviously Norwich and Newcastle. I think have done. I've actually gone with Leeds simply because it looks like Rafinha is going to go in January, and yeah. if he does, like you said earlier, they are quite literally done. Because who else is in that team that's going to actually do anything for them? Whilst Bamford could actually start stringing a few goals together, there's no he's, one. He's injured, and they're de- he's injured till February. Well, exactly. They keep getting injuries. That's the thing. They keep getting a ridiculous amount of injuries. And without Bamford and Rafinha, there's no one I see in that team making them, well, actually creating goals for them or, you know, running the team. Calvin Phillips keeps getting injured. And when you've got that sort of balance in the team or unbalance in the team and their defence is awful, I I think they're going to go down, personally. They over Watford simply because I think Watford... Just have a they have a lot more quality going forward, spread across the team than Leeds, in my opinion. That's not saying much. And like what you're saying about Burnley, I think you're right. Sean Dyke has been in this position so many times with Burnley. With what well, we always like, you know, we always look at their squad and think oh, that's an awful lot. But it's a Sean Dyke squad, and I think he will somehow pull out back because the different areas with those teams, Burnley can defend. It's like Newcastle if they were managed under a defensive manager, not Eddie Howe, who has no idea how to defend. I might actually think they have a chance of staying up, but that's the difference between those teams. I think Sean Dyche probably will pull Burnley out of it. Yeah, and also I think that I actually think Burnley, in a way, are better than they were last season because of Corne. They didn't have that option last season, and bringing in Corne gives them that option of pace up front, and they don't. They, they've had that for a long with Corne there. At least they got yeah, exactly. option. And I think that gives them a boost. So yeah, cool. I agree. I just think out of organisation, when it when it comes to crunch time, as we know, organisation, defensive defensive stuff is is key. And Burnley, they might not create as much as Leeds or Watford do, but I think that'll be what is the most important there. I actually also just want to put someone else's name into the hat, which might be a bit controversial. Even though I rate Thomas Frank a lot as a manager, I think Brentford is slipping down the table and could end up in a relegation fight, and they are clearly slipped down the table. Yeah, no, I, I was going to mention the other teams actually as well, and Brentford are definitely included in that because they had a really good start with Thomas Frank, but as you see now, they're they're 14th now. But the, the only thing for me with Brentford is they are on 20 points. There, there's already a nine-point difference here. And I think for Brentford to slip that far down, they'd have to go on a mad run of losing games. But to be fair, there are other teams in there. Like nobody else will probably say this, but even Everton for me, like, do I think they're going to do, go down? Probably not, but they're definitely in and around that because they. I don't understand what they're doing with Rafa Benitez. There's no identity there of them. And as me and you have discussed many a time before with Everton, the only way I could see Rafa Ball working at Everton is if Calvert-Lewin was firing. And obviously, with him being injured for most of the season so far, they've been awful. And without Damari Gray and Andrew Townsend scoring, what are they? They're, they're basically a Burnley. So... You are right about other teams, but I, I just think it is between the teams we talked about at the start. I think Watford, Burnley and Leeds are probably the key ones that could go down. I agree about Everton, but I think that there's too much quality in that team for them to actually go down. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't Calvert-Lewin, Calvert-Lewin starts firing, then they'll be okay. 
yeah, exactly. And I'm very relieved to say I'm not even including Southampton in this chat because a few weeks ago, mate, I definitely would have said we were down there because I still think I still think you're gonna be in and around that sort of uh, area. We we will. I I think we're finished kind of where we are now, like 13th, 14th, because that's what Southampton and traditionally like us and Crystal Palace always finish there. But I just think we're lucky that there's so many other teams down there who are probably worse than us. Yeah. I don't think you'll go down, I think, but I think you will struggle. Okay, well, if we've decided that, then we, we collectively... Well, I think that it's going to be Norwich, Newcastle and Leeds that go down, and you think it's going to be Norwich, Newcastle and Watford. Yeah, I, 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 I would just say it would be Leeds if they lose Rafinha than Watford. Yeah, that, well, that's basically my argument. I, I, think, I think they are going to lose Rafinha, and therefore I think they're going to go down. But to be fair, if Rafinha stayed, I think it could be Watford. So that's the Premier League predictions done for for this season. But uh, there is another competition we want to talk about, probably mine and Sammy's favourite competition of all, and that is the uh, Champions League. So this might not take very long because there's only really one debate to be had, and that's who's going to win it. But um, who do you think is going to win the Champions League, Sammy? Well, I think the best team in Europe at the moment are Bayern Munich. Um, with Lewandowski and Müller and you know all these players still there and they're still firing Nagelsmann's done a really, really good job with them, especially in the Champions League. They've been ridiculous. I think it'd be good to see them in a proper test with, uh, with the next next few games they've got in the Champions League in, in the quarter-final, especially, whoever they get there. Um, if they win the next round, I'm sure they will. Um, I think if the, if any other favourites would be Liverpool and City, to be honest. I don't think Chelsea would win the Champions League. I don't think it would be Real Madrid or any of the Spanish teams. So I'm going to say Bayern as the favourites, and then Liverpool and City as the just just below them. Okay, that's that's interesting. It's pretty much in line with what I said. I I actually have, and this might be my bias because I like Liverpool, but I've actually said Liverpool will win it simply because I think once Salah goes to Afcon and just with how the season's going at the moment, I think the title will get away from them, and I think when that happens, Klopp will probably turn his attention to properly focusing on the Champions League. And the only thing with Bayern that puts me off is because they essentially play in a league where there's one other team that slightly gives them trouble and they coast through the season. I think that actually does actually hinder them in a European competition because in Europe, you have to beat good teams all the time. And even when you play smaller teams in the Champions League, you know, you have to be used to those teams giving you a challenge. Where I just don't, I don't think Bayern get that in the Bundesliga. And that to me is why in recent times, they haven't actually won the Champions League anywhere near as much as they should have done over the years. And I, I think, personally, Liverpool, if they have their fully fit squad, I think they could fire through. But I think it is between three teams, and that's Bayern, Liverpool and City. Yeah, well, it's just not right off uh, PSG yet. I know that in the games against City, they've looked a bit disorganised and doesn't work the front three, but let's just remember... That that front three, if they do turn it on, they're unplayable. And that, I think, might give them the edge against Real Madrid. And I think Real Madrid also, slight underdogs there. So I do agree with the, with the thing with Bayern and City. I just think, for me, with Bayern, that it's Lewandowski that really gives them the edge over Liverpool City. I think, I think this is his time to propel Bayern to a Champions League and to, to propel uh, himself into getting the Ballon d'Or next, next year. Well, then, then I would uh, counter that with, I think the difference is Mo Salah. And I think it's Mo Salah's time to prepare himself to Ballon d'Or. That's all, that's all I'd say to that. 
bold and we can agree to disagree because I guess we've both got our favourites now. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I just think like Lewandowski for Bayern is what salary is for Liverpool. And whilst fair enough, Bayern do probably have a stronger squad collectively, like throughout the whole squad. So I can see what you're saying, Bayern. I, I, I'm probably being biased, to be honest. But I just, I just had a feeling. I said at the start of the season, I think Liverpool will will come out of this season with a trophy, and it'll be either the Champions League or the title. But I, I, don't, I don't. That could happen, to be fair. But let's not go into the League Cup. You mentioned briefly about uh, Real Madrid being outsiders. Do you think Karim Benzema actually has what it take, takes to take past uh, PSG and actually maybe get them a chance of winning this tournament? I, I think they've got a chance. That's going to be a very, very good game. It's going to be a very good game. They're both, I'd say, I don't know who's the favourite in that, really. I'd, I'd say probably PSG, but you've got to look at Real Madrid's team and still stack a corner team. They've been really, really good in the, the league of this season. Um, and obviously Benzema's a top, 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 top player. Um, so I would say that, yeah, he can. He can, definitely. He's, he's one of the best strikers in Europe. And... Um, on his, on his day, he's unplayable. You know, we we experienced that. He scored against us um, out of nothing. So, um, P- PSG as well will give will give Real Madrid a very tough time. I think that's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think this this don't season know if really we have enough to sorry. Don't know if we have enough to take them to the winners. I don't know if Real Madrid will be able to get past Bayern or against uh, get past City. But uh, yeah, he will definitely um, he will definitely get them far. Yeah, no, I think that PSG game is going to be a real interesting watch, especially from a PSG perspective. Can that front three actually put it together as a unit? Because at the moment, it seems to me, whenever I've, whenever I've seen PSG play or I check on the results, it's one of the three, like, take lead, and they're the goal scorers or, like, the, the ones making it happen. But I'm yet to hear of, like, the three forwards actually, as a unit, being ridiculously good, like, like kind of actually playing as a front three. And that was my only worry with PSG when they signed Messi is you've got so many egos there, or so many people who want or are the best player in the world. And can they do it together? But I think with Real Madrid, I think people write them off too easily because everyone talks about KB Neve at the moment. But if we're honest, there are still brilliant players in that team. We've still got Casemiro there. You've got uh, Mondi, Mendy, however you say it. You've got, um, you've got players like uh, Marco Asensio who are probably trying to revive their career. And yeah, obviously, there's Vinicius. Yeah, he's been in very good form. And obviously, there's Vinicius Junior, who, if if people don't check up on La Liga that often, they'd be probably surprised to hear how many goals he scored. I think he's the second top scorer. I think he's, yeah. I think he's on like twelve goals already. Which, if I'd seen him last season, I definitely wouldn't have said that. But he's he's been brilliant this season. So, I think Real Madrid, they they could be the underdogs for this, which is crazy saying Real Madrid is underdogs. But that's that's pretty much what I think about Real Madrid. Well, they're under us because they've dropped off in the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they no one would put them as the favourites of the Champions League at the moment. Um, oh, no. No, definitely let's not. Let's not forget that we just saw Gareth Bale in that team. Oh, <laughs> and I forgot Hazard. about that. They've still got Bale Hazard. Yeah. yeah, I did completely forget about that. Then they don't really play. Or they're, no. they're not, you know, their first choice would probably be Asensio and, and uh, Vinny Junior. So... Yeah, no, I, I think I think saying the underdogs is quite a shared view now, to be honest. Oh no, I agree. It's just it's just crazy. Like I think we've all grown up as Real Madrid being like the big team. Barca. Oh, but Barca. They're not even in they're not even in the competition, so 
that's how far they fall off. But, that just um, sums up Spanish football at the moment, the state of Spanish football at the moment. Oh, it really, it really is Club not, not where it is. It's really not where it was. Like, even Atletico Madrid have been pretty poor this season. It's, it's, it's not a good time for Spanish football. It's, although, sta- it's stagnated. It's stagnated, in my opinion. It has stagnated. Well, there, there's nothing that sums... Well, nothing that you know makes the word stagnated feel relevant right now. When you see Barcelona re-signing Dani Alves, Antoine Griezmann going back to Atletico Madrid. It's, who are we going to see? I mean... I don't know, Michel Salgado play uh, right back for Real Madrid. It's, it's just ridiculous what's going on. Oh, good to see coming back. Oh, um, well, I'll take that, to be honest. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, the way I see it is, do you even clock when there's no Clasico on? I used to love I, El Clasico. I, I used to watch clock, it all the time. When it's, yeah, I don't even know when it's on now. No one cares yeah, about it. I'm not bothered. It's just not, because Barcelona are a complete shadow of football sales. And Real Madrid are kind of on a, on a almost like a rebuild sort of thing, but they still got. I feel like Real Madrid um, have got very much uh, a better system going than Barcelona, but it does seem like a weird team right now because if you've got Hazard, Bale, Isco, got all this all this um, quality that just doesn't get in the team much or hasn't made an impact. Yeah, well, I've, I think with Madrid's team, uh, Bale's been injured for most of the season, and I think at the start of the season when he played, he was actually playing quite well. But then you've got Hazard, who they obviously are going to sell Hazard. I just think they're waiting to sell him. And then you've got a few youngsters in Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo. But other than that, you've also got really experienced older players like Casemiro. He isn't even that old, but you've got Luka Modric. It's just it's a weird, it's a really balanced team. But you know, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years how Barca, especially Barca, rebuild because. When I've looked into how Barca have been doing this season, they've actually, I think a lot of our fans are quite positive with Chavi uh, at the helm. He seems to be um, getting them to play better football, definitely. So mm. we'll see how they uh, do, especially with Pedri in the midfield. Yeah, they've got good young talent at Barcelona. Anzu Fati, Gavi, uh, Pedri, a few defenders there who are quite good. But it, it very much doesn't seem like the Barcelona of old. It's, it's weird to see, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely. Javi, Javi definitely has a better positive influence than Kuman. Kuman just seems like an absolute twat. To yeah, well, I can say from my experience of him managing Southampton, as much as he got us playing good results, he was a bit of a dickhead. And the way the way he left the club as well just sums up how he is as a person. He is a very negative football manager who, are, I just can't believe how he treated players at Boston. I think he's he's probably not ruined, but definitely dented the progression of so many youngsters in that Barca team because some of the things I've read of how he treated people like um, I've forgotten what the player was but he treated someone like, like shit really so we'll we, we see what Barca do now they've actually got hopefully a good manager in Xavi but um, yeah. moving on from the European talk um, we're not going to bother talking about the Europa League because I don't think even bother watching it and my thoughts on the Europa League are basically I hope West Ham win it but no, they won't um, we're going to move on to actually building our team this season. Uh, how do you feel about that, Sam? Sounds good. I'm looking forward to seeing okay. how much we disagree on, how much we do agree on. Well, I remember we did this last year for the same podcast episode and we literally built the exact same team. I feel like but there's more think... to debate in this season. I was just about to say that. I, I think there's way more players you could pick here. There's there's a lot of attacking options who are a lot more interchangeable with, like, I'm not going to mention names yet until we go to pick it, but you could switch either player and it wouldn't really make much of a difference. But yeah. we'll see, we see how we do here. So 
we'll start with goalkeeper, obviously. And um, oh, I'll just point out, we're not actually, we're not squeezing players in. We've seen a lot of people like Gary Neville and Carragher do this. And they talked about how they would want to put Jack Grealish potentially in centre mid, just to get him into the team. Not that he should be in the team this season. This season, but this season, when we do it, we're doing it basically where they've played. Not well. Paul Pogba used to be a centre mid, so we're putting him centre mid. But moving on, who have you put for goalkeeper, Sammy? I put Aaron Ramsdale. Okay, that's good because that's exactly who I've put. I think Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, there's lots, lots of keepers you could have put here actually, but. Aaron Ramsdale, the difference he's made to the Arsenal team is is quite impressive. For a, for a player of 23 years of age, he's come into that team straight away and it just seems like he's changed everything about the dressing room and the energy and positivity going into Arsenal. And he's already got nine clean shoots and has an 81% uh, save percentage, which is pretty impressive. In my opinion, I think he edges it as signing the season. And he's yeah. the only new signing that's got, in my, in my level, he's the only new signing that's got into my uh, level. I agree. It's, it's, it's his outlook and his attitude, especially after coming out of that season with Sheffield United, where everyone wrote him off. And, and I did say, I did say that he's still a good keeper because he showed it at Bournemouth. And he went to Sheffield United and he was playing in an awful, awful team, one of the worst teams Premier League's ever seen. Um, and he's gone to Arsenal. And he's proven himself right. He's, he's Leno might as well leave Arsenal right now if he wants to play first team football because Ramsdale is the man to beat there. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say... I mean, the, there are other keeper options we're getting to, but Ramsdale, for me, edges it. And, you know, just those saves he's made, like that one against Madison, the free kick against Madison, was just unreal. Some of the saves he's made, it's just, it's just beautiful to watch. Beautiful. To watch. Yeah, I, I will say, I definitely was one of those people you uh, were trying to convince was still a keeper, because at the end of last season, I just thought... I think I actually said in a podcast episode, when we were going through, like, England options for the Euros, I, I said he's not going to be Premier League goalkeeper. So... I've definitely been proven wrong by uh, Ramsdale there. And I'm glad to see it because I think he, he could be an England number one, which I hope he does because it seems to be at the moment every single young England keeper that comes through a bit of promise, once they get to about 25, 26, they just start dropping off a cliff at club form. So yeah. I hope I hope he keeps this up. And um, dare I say, I think he could be a future Arsenal captain, to be honest. I think for someone who's 23 years of age, he just seems like such a real uh, mature leader. And he picks up yeah. the team. Yeah, he he, in my opinion, has transformed the defense. Like, I think he's the one that has made the defense, the Arsenal defense, look a lot better, a lot more solid. You know, you think at the start of the season as well, the, the state they were in, and now you look at it, they've actually got quite a good defense. When, when you think about it, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do against City uh, next week or at the end of this week, because um, that'll be a, a tougher test for them than the last few games. But I, I do think he's had a big impact on the club, and that's why, for me, that's the pickers of the year so far. Okay, so we agree on one position at least. Uh, moving on to left back, who have you gone for for left back? So left back, I went for Jao Cancelo, even though he's been playing a little bit more right back now. But um, there is generally no one else really to pick at left back, and he has played there quite a lot of the season. He, in my opinion, could get player of the year. Um, he's looked like one of the best players uh, in the world at the moment, to be honest. Uh, definitely one of the best defenders in the world. Um, his passing is impeccable. He's got assists to his name. City have got the best defence in the league, and it's partly down to him. He's actually got the most touches in the league by like uh, 3,000 touches, something like that. It's, 
300 that's touches, crazy sorry. it's crazy yeah he's got a crazy amount of, of touches and it just shows how much of an influence he has on that city team yeah well i've um i've gone for Cancelo as well not really surprising um i think the only other real name for left back that i could put forward is andy robertson who has still been brilliant this season but he's not anywhere near Cancelo at the moment i think the thing with Cancelo, which is so impressive is it's hard to know actually what his best position is because I know obviously he plays either on the right or the left. But when I watch City play, I think the reason he's got that amount of touches is because he's basically playing like he's basically an extra creative midfielder just playing on either side of defence, and he actually runs the tempo of City games often. Like whenever I see him, he's just always in and around the uh, the middle of the pitch, yeah. spraying well, balls around, and he's such a talented footballer. Especially as they haven't had De Bruyne, they've got him back now and possibly back to his best. But they haven't had De Bruyne for quite a big period of this season. They've had to rely on Cancelo to do that job. And he has done it very well. Yeah, he's, he's been brilliant. He's definitely one of the most impressive footballers to watch at the moment. He's, yeah. he's, he's just good at everything. And, you know, he's, got, he's only got one goal this season, but he's got four assists. And I know we're talking about Premier League, but I think he's got even more assists in the Champions League. And, yeah, he's, he's been brilliant to watch this season. Um, that's two positions we agree on now. So it'll be interesting to see how this continues. We uh, we'll move on to the first centre back option. Well, actually, let's start. I didn't actually clarify what formation are you doing. Oh, I just went with four three three. Okay, that's good because that's that's what I've done. Um, what what? Who's your first centre back? My first centre back is Ruben Diaz. Okay, good good um, pick. I think Ruben Diaz. It's kind of been overshadowed a little bit or looked looked over this season just because he had such a good season last season, but he's still been in top form. Um, particularly since sort of October, November, he's been unreal. Um, he's been back to where he was last season. He might have had a slight, slight slump in September, but City did have a slight slump in September. Um, but I think he's still one of the best centre-backs in the world. and uh, He's does such an important job for City. Uh, he's very influential in, in the dressing room, you can tell. And... Yeah, the combination of him and, and Cancelo is, is second to none. Um, and, you know, Diaz is someone that literally transformed John Stones from a joke to an actually solid player. So, for me, he's had such an influence on the City team, it's, it's unreal. And, yeah, I think he deserves to be in that, in that uh, first level. OK, well, the way you explain that is um, actually making me rethink who I've put there. But I'm going to go with who I've gone for. I've... I like to do these team of the seasons by just not putting in the most obvious players if I can, not not just over the top. But the guy I've gone for is a surprising one, but I've actually gone with Joel Matip. And I know a lot of people might rise, uh, raise their eyebrows to that, but the reason I say Matip is because as a Liverpool fan watching them week in, week out, everyone, everyone outside of the Liverpool fan base seems to think that Van Dijk's come in and he's been our best defender. But I think a lot of Liverpool fans would say, actually, it's Joel Matip. Matip has... Um, really, really increased his levels this season. And I know Matip's traditionally a player that people like to banter about, but he's actually been solid for Liverpool and he's part of the reason Liverpool have been so good this season. Because I know with Van Dijk, you expect him to spray balls about and do like diagonal passes and create chances from the back. But Matip's been doing it this season and he's just been so solid for us. I've, I've rarely seen Matip make a mistake this season. Yeah, I, I would I would agree that Matip has been very good, um, but I, I still think that Van Dijk is the one that carries that Liverpool defence, and I think him not being there last season was was a show that uh, that Liverpool need Van Dijk to mount any sort of title challenge. Um, 
So I was actually going to say my second centre-back option is Virgil van Dijk. Um, and I think he's come back from injury and been just as good as he was before injury. And I think Matip is quality. I think he's, and I don't, I don't think he should be ever considered as sort of a banter player now. Uh, but I think Van Dijk has that influence on the team that sort of similar to Diaz, where he just he, he carries that defence. He's a leader. He's someone that's very influential in the dressing room. I think that's all he has over Matip. Oh, f- fair enough. To be fair, I, I see what you're saying. Van Dijk, he does increase the confidence levels of any of those Liverpool players, and he's just so calm on the ball. And maybe, maybe I've gone for Matip just because I'm like getting bored of how good Van Dijk is. But I just think um, the thing with Van Dijk when he came back. Initially, I thought, wow, he's he's exactly how he was before. But there have been a few games where I've felt he's been a little bit shaky. Not, not compared to other people's levels. I just mean for him, I, I, there's been a few games where I felt like he's not been at his best. But in, in general, he has been brilliant this season. And the only thing I'll say actually about last season is Matip was also injured for most of the last season as well. So that's why Liverpool have been so much better this season. They've had both of them back. And the difference it's made is, is obvious. But um, the second centre-back option I've gone for is actually um, someone from your team. So I've gone for Antonio Rudiger. Just because, well, Rudiger at face value is someone who's extremely entertaining to watch. But he's actually a very, very solid centre-back. And I think Chelsea without Rudiger, a lot of people talk about Thiago Silva. But for me, as good as Thiago Silva is, I think Rudiger's the main man now. And he offers so much defensively, but also attacking as well. And... There's not many centre backs I uh, see in the league anymore who can pick the ball up from outside his own box and just box and just think, you know what, I'm just going to sprint past half the team. And he's <laughs> Rudiger is just I don't know if I'm basing it mainly on the entertainment value, but I think he's also just been such a class player this season and he's been consistent for you as well. I think if we lose Rudiger, we'll be in big trouble because there's no other player like that to be honest, apart from maybe Van Dijk. But still, Rudiger's tenacity, his aggression, his Reading of the game is brilliant. He barely ever puts a foot wrong at the moment, and that was his big downfall before. He's still got that sort of shithouse sort of mentality, but he always has that, and that's part of his game. But yeah, definitely for entertainment value, it's definitely the the best head back in the league. And his his actually, I, I agree about the attacking output because not just from set pieces, but also his passing is brilliant. His forward thinking is very good, and his he drives the team forward. Um, and that's what a lot of the other defenders at Chelsea can't do. That sort of thing. Christensen well, tries, he can't do it. Thiago Silva is someone that might spray a long pass, but he's not someone that's going to take the ball out of the box and, and run with it and drive the team forward. And for me, that Rudiger is separated from a lot of other defenders in that in that ilk. Well, that's the thing for me with Rudiger. And it's because of his pace. He's so fast. Yeah. He's a very... He's a very um niche defender to be honest because I don't there's not a, there's not many centre-backs I watch now there may be someone like Kim Pembe for the PSG but there's not many who actually get the ball and drive the team forward like personally from carrying the ball up and he's doing it more and more often now but I think when you signed him there were signs that he could be the player he is now but he had a lot of immaturity in his game he made a lot of mistakes and I think he let his head get the better of him a lot but this season he's just seemed like a different player and it's, it's good to watch, I, I guess, from a Chelsea fan because last year you had so many defensive options who were coming in and out of the team. It wasn't a consistent line until Tuchel came in. Where with, with Rudiger now, you've just got one solid there. And in fact, I think he's actually becoming quite a good leader as well. So I had to go with Rudiger, personally. Yeah, well, the thing is, with before Tuchel come in, is that Lampard didn't like Rudiger because Rudiger's such a, a big ego, a big personality, a very um, controversial sort of player. 
But Tuchel knew that he was quality. He knew he was a world-class defender. And um, I'm very glad that he's starting for us every week. Yeah, I can back that. Um, moving on to our next position, I think this probably could be somewhere where we have a bit of a debate. Who have you gone for for your right back, Sally? I've gone for Trent because Ooh. I don't think you can go for Reese James at this point because of the fact that Trent's numbers are ridiculous. Maybe a few weeks ago where Reese James was still getting numbers in and getting assists and getting goals, I would have said to Reese James. But since then, Trent has been consistent with it. And yeah, for me, it's got to be Trent. After watching, it was Liverpool versus Tottenham, where actually Liverpool drew him. Um, I realised that Trent is such an important player for the Liverpool team. It's almost like how Jared Kinsale is a City, where he'll spray balls about, he'll he'll get like tucked into the centre mid, but it won't actually matter because he'll get the ball and he'll shoot, or he'll get the ball and do something with it. Like he actually isn't seems to be at risk much there. For me, Trent is the best right back in the world at the moment. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that, but this season he's proved me, proved to me that he is. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm shocked by that because one of well, as people probably will know who are friends of ours, one of our constant debates is Reese James, Trent, or anyone really against Trent, in your opinion. But Trent this season, I think, has just undeniably been the best right back in the world. He's he's got eight assists, three goals. He I, personally, I think he's improved his defending actually a lot. He doesn't last season. I know obviously that's because he was playing in a weakened defence, but he did make the odd mistake, which was just like a, a, a car crash mistake. Because this season he's been really consistent with his defending, and as you said, he just he just runs the game for Liverpool. It's it's quite something to watch when you realise that he's just a fullback. And I don't want to get on the train of uh, oh Trent should be playing in midfield because I don't think he he should, and it takes away from his actual game. But if you take Trent out of that Liverpool side, it's it's just not the same team. Like I feel like you can take Robertson out and replace him with Simicass, and it doesn't make much difference. And actually, if anything, Simicass is actually actually deserving a start at the moment, but. Trent at the moment is just he is the he's what is one of the few Englishmen we have who I can quite honestly say is the best player in his position in the world. And yeah. there's not much else to say about that, I think. I think Reese James, as you said, he's he's unlucky not to be in it and he has had a few injuries and unfortunately for him, Chelsea's defensive performance has been a bit inconsistent now. But Reese Reese he is definitely in the conversation. I don't think there's anyone else other than them two personally. Yeah. I agree with that, definitely. Okay. Um, so that's our defence sorted. Um, with your formation, are you, are you, have you chosen a defensive midfielder? Um, I do have a defensive midfielder in there. Okay, so we'll, we'll start with that then. So who have you gone for for your defensive midfielder? I've gone for Declan Rice. Oh, that's another in agreement then, because um, I've gone for Declan Rice. I, I think, think he's the best midfielder in the league. There. Yeah, there's not um, really a whole lot to say about Rice, but I feel like he's just... Again, another youngster who's he's so mature now, and he he is quite literally the leader of West Ham. He's taken over that uh, mantle from Mark Noble, and he's he's actually improving in his attacking uh, play as well. He's he's got three assists and one goal this season. Which, bear in mind, he came in as a centre back. It's pretty impressive. And like we were talking about Rudiger, he gets the ball from deep for West Ham, and he he just drives him forward. He's very he's a very good like powerful ball carrier, and him and him and that West Ham team is so important. Yeah, he, he's someone that has changed his game, in my opinion, this season, where he's now getting the ball and driving forward, soon as Rudiger, and he's starting to get in product in terms of the attacking. He's, he's a very important player for West Ham in terms of going forward now. 
when before he was more just a holding midfielder. He started off a centre back, transformed to a holding midfielder. Um, I don't think anyone put him in the top echelons of midfielders in the world. And now I think most people would, because he has been a top form for West Ham. He's been so important for them. Yeah, De- Declan Rice is definitely in that conversation now. And I, I, it's funny every time I see him play, I just think, imagine him in Man United's team. Or I know you don't need him, but. Imagine how good you'd be if you had Declan Rice. It's, yeah. He would improve. I think Declan Rice would improve any team in the world right now. I, I don't think there's a team in the world that wouldn't accept, uh, wouldn't take Declan Rice. But um, we've got two more midfielders to talk about. So who who are your, well, let's just do them both together. Who are your other two midfield options? So I've gone for Bernardo Silva and Mason Mann. <laughs> That's exactly what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... Not that there's going to be a debate here, but why? Let's talk about Bernardo Silva quickly. But how good has he been? He has been, considering that he was about to leave City uh, to go to Leicester. Yeah, he has been unbelievable. We've had every game so far this season. Considering that Pep likes to rotate his team a lot, that is very, very impressive. Um, and that just shows how much of an influence he has on that City team. Like he is the one that links with the play. I think if De Bruyne coming in, it won't be as as important now, and he probably slough a bit in terms of goals, but. He still we just see his overall plays. He's he's been unbelievable this season, and you know his positioning, his his uh, some of the assists he's got. It's just uh, he, for me, he's up there player of the season, um, probably his player of the season, um, apart from Salah. So yeah, Bernardo Silva has been just ridiculous. Yeah, I haven't got much to add to that. He's just the thing for me that's most impressive. Bernardo, he can he can play anywhere in that City team. He's played at times as a deep lying playmaker. He's played as a centre-forward in the false nine position. He's played on the wing. He can play anywhere in the midfield. And the, the biggest thing of this season, for a time, he was actually getting goals and assists to his game. But normally, he's that midfielder that doesn't like... He doesn't look that great stats-wise, but he's just so important for City. And it's been different this season, actually, Bernardo. And considering he was going to leave, it's crazy how he's gone from potentially leaving to being the one person in Pep Guardiola's team who he doesn't take out. Yeah, um, that's, that's the proof. Moving on to Mason Mount, uh, I think a lot of people uh, wrote him off at the start of the season and said that he was having a bad season. I personally did think he was having a poor season. And then suddenly, bang, he's well, he's even better than he was. His numbers already this season have been better than last season, I think, which is crazy considering he had a good season last year. What, what are your thoughts on Mason Mount, Sammy? Uh Mason Mount, uh, I've let him do a lot of things. Um... He, he, in my opinion, is um, apps. He is our best player, and without him, I don't know where we'd be. He's one of the top attacking midfielders in the world. Uh, top, he, top player. He, he takes he. What, what I like about Mason Mount so much is his tenacity, and he never gives yep. up. And I just, I just like the fact that he, you know, it, it proved even against Brighton today, eighty minutes to go, two one nil up. He's batting for the ball. He's batting for the ball. He's batting with Asuma. He's taking on players. He's got so much confidence, Mount, and he follows it up with you know he's got seven goals this season. He's got quite a few assists as well. For me, he's been our best player, and you know I don't know how he didn't win Player of the Season last year, but it was because of Mondi. But still, um, yeah, for me, Mason Mount is is definitely deserves to be in there. Um, he's not really a centre mid anymore, but um, he's more like a sort of inside forward. But uh, that just kind of proves his versatility because I think he could play in terms of it easily. Um, yeah, he's a top young talent and I think he will probably be future Chelsea captain. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think one thing I'm liking about Mount, as you kind of alluded to earlier with his tenacity, is I, I actually like how he's becoming a bit of a shithouse now. It, it, even today against Brighton, um, the instant, there was a little incident with Basuma where he, he got really lippy and shitty of him. And I kind of like that in a player because when you've got that in a player who is as talented as he is, you've just got someone who is always going to want to win and he's never going to give up and he's always going to back his teammates. Uh, it's, it's nice to watch from, again, another youngster. Um, so we've actually agreed quite a lot there and well, we've, we've 100% agreed in midfield. We've got the forward options now and it'll be interesting to see who we put in here. So who have you gone for for your left winger? So my left winger, I've gone with Hume Min Son. Um, okay. So even though Tottenham had a bit of a slump at the start of the season, he was still, he was our best player. He was getting numbers in. And now he's just kind of been unleashed under Conte. Um, you know, it, it just seems like for me, Son has a magic touch for Spurs. Um, it, it's almost like a love story they have with him. And for me, I can't think of anyone else who has been playing left mid that deserves to be in, in team of the season, really. Um, because, uh, yeah, for, for me, for me, him him linking up with Kane as well is something that could come back uh, and, and could that's what could propel Tottenham to top four. Um, is, is Son's link up with Kane. Coming back to the forefront, you know, I think Tottenham missed that a lot. So, yeah, for me, Son is still, even though Tottenham have had a difficult season so far, um, it's still been one of the top players in the league. Yeah, so Son's been brilliant. I, I've i actually gone for someone else who is someone who I don't really know where his best position is. But I've gone for Diogo Jota simply because, as you'll see why, I've put someone in centre forward. So, I've gone with Jota and left wing. And I think you've probably put Jota in your team as well, just because he's he's gone from someone who we all knew was a decent player to now definitely a world-class forward. He scored 10 goals, got one assist. And I know everyone talks about Salah, but I really think Liverpool without Jota this season wouldn't, wouldn't be where they are. Because Mane, well, you know how frustrating I am with Mane. I've, he's, I don't know what's happened to him. He seems to have lost his goal-scoring touch. And Jota's just completely taken over now. He is the second man in that Liverpool front line. So I've gone for Jota for left wing, but Son has been very good. And he's been the one person for Spurs, actually, who's been consistently good from the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, I've um, also gone for Jota up front. Okay. Um, he, I agree about the, the Jota Salah thing. And I think that now that Salah's going to Africa, I think Jota's going to have such an important part to play because uh, he's going to be the main man. Yeah. So that'll be a test. Yeah, it'll be interesting to it without Salah, though. If he, if he can't do it without Salah, then I think Liverpool are in big trouble. Well, not, not in big trouble, but, you know, the, the title will be definitely gone. But um, who have you gone for your uh, centre-forward? Oh, no, so you've gone for Jota with your centre-forward. Who have you gone for uh, right wing? I don't think there's any any surprise here. Mo, Mo Salah, nothing, nothing yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to say about Mo Salah. He's, for me, he is the best player in the world right now. And I know he's I been a he's, little bit... Uh, yeah, him and, him and Lewandowski. Him and Lewandowski. Yeah. I think Salah, Hart... Yeah, but Salah... The thing is... Lewandowski definitely, but like when you watch Salah at the moment, I know recently the last few games he's kind of quieting down a bit, but he's just he's just so good at everything, and you can you can really see now where his game's developed this season. He's not he's not the player he was even that his first season when he broke the goal scoring record. He's a completely different player now. He, he can get the ball. His passing range is crazy. He did a pass a few weeks ago with the outside of his boot, which was ridiculous, and he scored fifteen goals and got nine assists. We're only in January. Well, not even January. So, that is mental. But I won't waste a lot of time on Mo Salah because I think everyone knows about Mo Salah. The interesting one for me is um, 
who I've gone for for my centre forward, who I think you might sense who it is. Ronaldo. It's not Ronaldo. It is um, Ronaldo. someone, someone I've backed oh, from the start of the season. And I've, I, and this is not just for the meme. I genuinely think Emmanuel Dennis has been crazy this season. Eight goals, five assists for someone who, before this season, nobody ever would have thought it would be producing those sort of numbers for a Watford team as well. I think that's. I think he has to be in. In my opinion, that's why I forced Joshua out, out on the left. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Dennis is on my bench, and I okay. agree. What he's done is remarkable. Um, I just think with the other three, because they've been doing it consistently, that that's why they've got in, because I don't know. We will see by the end of the season whether Dennis can keep it up. Um, but I'm very impressed with Dennis. When I saw him play against Palace in Carabao Cup when I was with uh, Rickfish Road, I thought, he came on, I think, about 70 minutes in, and I thought, wow, this guy is unbelievable on the ball. And he's a, he's a, he's yeah, he's very good. He's very, very confident as well. He's, he's, he's a show-off, basically. He's so good on the ball, yeah. and to have the AM product as well, he could, he could if he consistently keeps it up, be one of the top players in the Premier League, and he'll obviously move out of Watford. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, him going to Afcon could mess things up a little bit. Um, God knows what he'll be like when he comes back from Afcon. Um, so yeah, but for me, Dennis gets on that bench. And, you know, imagine saying to me, right, or you. Emmanuel Dennis will be in your team in, this, in your half team of the season at the start of the season you'd be like what? what? Yeah because <laughs> his numbers Honestly, from the especially... last few years were awful he got loaned out from Club Bruges and he went and he was crap he... in I think Cologne Yeah he got loaned to Cologne and played nine games didn't score at all and then suddenly he yeah. signs for Watford for some reason I was like oh I think Dennis will be a good player but I didn't think he'd be like this this is ridiculous yeah. and Considering Cristiano Ronaldo signed for Man U in the summer, I did not think my forward spot would be Emmanuel Dennis. Or should I say, good old Emmanuel Bonaventure. Well, do you want to move on to the bench? Yes. Okay, so who have you gone for, basically? It doesn't have to be like position, the structure by position, but who, who have you gone for for your keeper? Like, who's your second keeper? I've gone for Jose Saar, who at the start of the season I said was crap. And now is one of the best keepers in the league, in my opinion. He's got the best safe centre in the league. He's been uh, he's been actually a lot better than Ruben Patricio, and they made a really good move there because I think Ruben Patricio actually was kind of dying out a little bit. Um, Joseph Sars come in and been a lot better, um, and he's really really propelled Wolves up to where they are now. Um, yeah, for me for me, Joseph Sars is very close in contention with Ramsdale. I think Randall edges it because of the impact he's had. But Saar is one of the top signings of the season. Like how they managed to get him from Olympiacos and he's been this good is, is unreal. Uh, yeah, he, I, I think I he'll be Portugal's number well. one. He's, he's, you know he's never played for Portugal. But I think yeah, uh, by the World Cup, if they get in the World Cup, he'll probably be playing for them. Well, the scouting from Wolves is really impressive because I think the reason yeah. he's never played for Portugal before and they got him from Olympiacos is because no one knew who he was before. He, he wasn't it wasn't like on anyone's scouting list and suddenly he's coming at Wolves. And I thought, like you said earlier, I, I really worried for Wolves. I thought losing Patricia was going to be massive for them and they've actually improved. So yeah. it's very, very good signing and he's, he's a brilliant keeper. So I've, I've gone for Saar as well. Um, have you got any defensive options on your bench? Yeah, so I've got Antonio Rudiger, who we already talked about, um, and Rhys James, um, because Rhys James yep. has been... I mean, I mean, he before the last few weeks, he was his numbers were 
ridiculous. He scored amazing goals. Um, he's getting a lot of assists. He's slowed up a bit now and he's got injured, of course. I think for me, Rhys James, he's defensively so solid. He's so strong and quick. And, you know, today, even against Lamptey, there was one time when Lamptey went past him, but the other times he kept him quiet. Um, and that's because he, Rhys James, to me, is an all-round baller. He's got everything in his game. And I think he can really take it to the next level. And I do think he's got a higher ceiling than Trent. I do believe that. Um, I don't think he's going to be a midfielder. Um, but I think in a few years' time, he'll be a leader at Chelsea. He'll be one of the main, main players. And uh, he probably already is, to be honest. Um, he's a very versatile player as well. He played left wing back, say. But didn't really seem to bother him at all. Um, yeah, for me, Reese James, definitely. Yeah. On, on my bench. I don't know. I don't know if I agree about him being or well, having a higher ceiling, but I definitely agree. Yeah, well, like he, what you're saying, he, he, he does. He does. He does. Uh, well, I think he doesn't. But, um, I, I think Reese James could be like a Reese James we see in six years could be a completely different player. Not in terms of like how good he is, but he could he could be a midfielder. I don't think he will. But he, yeah. th- th- there's so many possibilities of where he could go with his, like with his career. He's so versatile, and for someone who plays as like a modern like right wing back he's actually built like a centre back like we were having a discussion I think yesterday yeah. about how we think he could actually even play centre back and, and you know he, he, he's actually not very tall either he's only like 5'9 5'10 yeah. uh, but he, he because of his presence and his physicality he looks taller he's 5'10 I think um, yeah you know, that's not very tall for, for a centre back at all but he could play there just because of his physicality yeah and, what was you know, having that elite sort of strength is something that is very important in the modern game. Yeah, whilst I think, um, whilst you brought up the Trent comparison, whilst I think Trent probably, for the majority of their careers, will be like the out-and-out elite right wing-back, I think the thing with James is he could offer more to a team if like people were looking to sign him just because of that. And he's definitely a way better leader than Trent. I, a lot of Liverpool fans talk about Trent becoming their future captain, but I don't see that. There's nothing like personal against Trent, but I just... To me, he doesn't seem like the sort of person I want taking over Jordan Henderson. And James is just, he could be anything for Chelsea at the moment. He's, he's a quality player. And he plays a lot, he, he seems a lot older than he is when he plays. But we could talk about Trent and Reese James for hours. So we'll move on from that. I, I put James on my bench as well. And the other defensive option I put on was uh, Ruben Diash, just because I couldn't fit him in my starting team because how much I love Matic. But realistically, we've talked enough about Diash as well. So um, have you got any. Who, who have you got on the bench from the midfield? So from the midfield, I've gone with Rodri and I've gone with Conor Gallagher. Yep, I put Rodri as well. I think Rodri, Rodri is the player, Man City, like who they thought they signed because his first year or so he wasn't terrible. He wasn't like who we expected. He wasn't going to be the guy to take over Fernandinho. Whereas now he yeah. he controls the game with his eyes shut. The City, he's the closest thing we have to Sergio Busquets. Uh, it's yeah. so important. It's basically watching Sergio Busquets in another man's body. Yeah, he, for me, to me, that's what it is, and I think he's actually better because, in a way, in in a way, because he, he can actually he can hit he can hit one from the edge of the box, and he does. That yeah, he's got a pile driver. Sometimes in it. it goes in. Yeah, and I think he's quite. He's actually better than people realise going forward. So, I think Pep has turned Vodri into uh, a beast. To be honest, I think he's going to be even. He's just going to keep improving. Yeah, he, he is really good. He's such a solid player. Um, I've gone for, aside from Rodri, I've gone for Emil Smith-Rowe, who originally was in my team. But watching Mason Mount get another assist tonight made me realise I can't not put Mount in. But Smith-Rowe, 
the sky's the limit of him. He's been unreal. And he's one of my favourite players. He's one of my favourite players at the moment. He's, he's dribbling. He's, he's, I'd never thought he'd become a goal scorer. He's, he's actually scored eight goals this season. And he's even doing it off the bench, which is crazy. I, I don't understand how he can't start for Arsenal. But Martin Odegaard, to be fair, has been quality. But I've won for Smith Rowe. Have you, have you put Smith Rowe on your bench? I've put Conor Gallagher. Okay. Well, Conor um, Gallagher deserves a shout. Yeah, I think both of them. I mean, Odegaard as well, to be honest, up there. Um, yeah, he deserves a shout. I think, I think Gallagher's been just a revelation for Crystal Palace. I mean, he was quite good for West Brom last season. But for Crystal Palace, he's been another level. And he's the only player that we've got out on loan, apart from Broher, who or Breuer, who I'd said to have him back in the squad. He is actually something we've kind of missed at times. Um, yeah. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He's got quality. He scores goals. You know, he's upgraded on someone loft his cheek, for sure. Um, Definitely. He's got an England call-up. For me, yeah, Smith-Rowe and Gallagher, I wouldn't mind between the two. I think they both deserve it and they've both got the numbers to prove it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Gallagher, I would love to have crammed in here. But the thing is, with the season so far, there's been so many attacking midfielders that are performing. Um, another one I'm going to mention who I've put on my bench. I actually haven't put a strike on my bench because there's not really any strikers other than Ronaldo. But I've gone for Phil Foden, who you could actually argue has been playing as a forward this season anyway. But Phil Foden, like today for City. Yeah, I would agree. Phil Foden, I just couldn't fit him in. Okay, fair enough. He, but he, for me, is, is, is up, up there. He's up there, definitely. He's a future Ballon d'Or winner, in my opinion. I, I never used to think this, but I just watch him play Ooh, now. Ooh, just, ooh, I, ooh. Yeah, I'm just because, I'm blown away I've been by the talent he has. For a long time. You have. and it, I think the thing for me was, it was a bit disappointing at the Euros. And that I was really excited for him at the Euros, considering he did the whole Gascoigne hair thing. And he didn't really do anything, didn't play a lot. Whereas this season, mate, he's been, he's been unreal. He... he He's one of those players I watch and he just makes the game of football look so easy. And like I just watch him do things. Like I've said a couple of years ago, oh, I could do that. But the reality is, I couldn't do that if I trained for about a thousand hours of my life. He's, he's out of this world, Phil Foden. I think Phil Foden, you just say the Euros, I don't know what happened there. It was really disappointing, but he's come back. And I think out of all those players who are at the Euros, apart from Mount, he's been the best. All right. So you've got Rice, Mount and Foden. If, if Southgate could actually use that in the midfield free, it would be unreal. But Foden, to be honest, is now playing basically as left winger or even as a false nine. He can, um, well, that's the thing. He can play... I've seen him loads of times for City get balls sprayed into him like as a striker. Yeah, like, like he's, control... he's a little, tiny little five foot seven guy. And yeah. It's, and he's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's his first touch. It's his first touch. His first know. touch is ridiculous. And for someone who's not particularly strong, he actually uses his body really well. He's like... Yeah. He knows how to get in between players, and he could. He's another one like Rhys James. Who knows what sort of player he's going to be when he's like in his mid twenties? Because he he could actually turn into a forward who like is an out and out goal scorer. I've but, always um, said that Foden has got the sky, the sky limit for him. Always said that. I know, I know you have. And to be honest, a lot of people have just Foden. I think it's my anti-City bias. Here. I've just always seen Foden. I'm like, oh, he's not quite as good as people go on about. Because I get sick of people going on about him, but he, he genuinely is brilliant. And if anyone compares him to make would be fucking stupid. Phil Foden is a million times better than Mason Green. Foden's just more consistent. He's got better management. If Green was in that City team, then, then you might be saying different. But I think that um, because Foden's had Pep basically bringing him up, uh, that's the reason. The only thing that's going to let Foden down is his fucking attitude. 
is he's an idiot. Well, and he's got well, a man I was gonna say, Phil, around him who is not really yeah. He's got he's got a slightly cheeky older brother who um, isn't a very good influence on him. Um, but I was going to say, okay. Phil Foden is so good he can turn up to training drunk, mate. That's how good he is. But anyway, um, I think that's my. Oh no, I've got one more person on my bench who I do want to mention because I've got. I've I haven't watched... said my attackers either. Okay, who have you got left? So I said I said Dennis back in the in the eleven we did. Um, yeah. But the other one I've gone for is Jamie Vardy. Oh, that's a, a good, good shout there. I haven't got yeah, Vardy. Yeah, because he, he went on a run and considering how shit Leicester have been for most of the season, it's quite impressive that he's got nine Premier League goals. And he's probably going to get more. It's, re- it's really impressive. So, and you know, he's, 30, he's 34 years of age. He's almost 35. And he's still top of yeah. his game. So people write off Vardy all the time and they think he's going to slow down. He has to slow down. He is still top of his game. He's still playing like he's, he's 24. Um, yeah, he like he's Ronaldo. He's he's outscored Ronaldo, and they're around yeah. around the same age. And you know that just shows that Jamie Vardy. He's been playing in the Shitter team. It, he he for me gets on my bench. He is unbelievable still. Yeah, I I didn't think about Vardy simply. I think because of how bad, well, not how bad, but Leicester for them have been quite bad this season. And because yeah. I don't know, I just think Vardy he just always goes under the radar. I think it, we're we're so used to seeing like when we check Leicester results. Vardy with one goal next to his name. He does it so often that the fact he's got to nine goals so quietly is really impressive. And the thing is, like you said, his age was a big deal to a lot of people um, analysing Vardy last year. And the reason Leicester signed Backer was because they, I think they thought, right, now we need to replace Vardy. Backer's not got a sniff because Vardy's been quality. But um, the other person I've put on my bench is someone who I saw play the other day and was literally blown away by him. And that's Jared Bowen. He, I never thought Jared Bowen was going to be this good. I thought it'd be. I remember me and you talking about him when he when he signed from Hull. We said, "Oh, he'd probably be a quite good Premier League player, but he's not anything special." He's been unreal for West Ham. He's really come in when Antonio's like dried up. He's all over the pitch. He's brilliant. Yeah, I think um, he's someone that's gained in confidence a lot, and someone that's going to get even called up very soon. And watching him against Watford was just like. I mean, I was driving whilst watching, but no, wait, not cut that. Out. Um, but uh, he he was just he was just the, the he was the danger man. He was the best player on the pitch, and for me, um, Jared Bowen is someone that has surprised me a lot. A bit like Foden might have surprised you. Um, I think he's someone that has come come through this season. I thought, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, Holt were right. Yeah, well, talk, the danger man really is uh, you sat um, at the wheel watching West Ham game with a uh, can of tenants in your left hand. That never happened. We, w- that never we won't talk about that. Um, yeah, no, Jared Bowen, um, I think he's probably, um, his confidence boosted in the fact he's dating Danny Dyer's daughter. Um, it's probably boosted his ego a bit, but um, what, a bit of inside knowledge there. Um, inside knowledge. Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen is um he's becoming actually like you said he's actually he plays like Phil Foden a little bit to be honest and he's just his dribbling is crazy he, yeah, he, he's got he's so fast he's, he's, he's what I want Cannon Hudson's story to be well don't Basically. don't get me started on Cho Cho is a, nowhere near this discussion but yeah Jared Bowen very impressive and he really deserves to get an England team I think he'll be unlucky if he doesn't but yeah is that, he, is that if, the team if, if Marcus Rashford if Marcus Rashford gets in that a bloody England team and Jared Bowen doesn't. I'm going to be fucking fuming. 
Yeah, I agree. But I think I think Rashford, unfortunately, is just one of those Southgate players. And Bowen, he's never ever been near the England squad before. So all Bowen needs to do is actually I'm not going to say that. Um, anyway, so we move on. What's what's that? <laughs> um, so that's that's the teams of the season complete. I think we we actually agreed on all that. Really, I think we we had the exact same midfield. The defense was very similar, and um, we've got pretty much well, the same names on the bench. The main one I didn't agree with was Joel Matip. I yeah, well, I knew I knew that. I knew putting Matip in would be that. That's a difference, and I just I wanted to shout out Joel Matip. That was all that was really. Realistically, Diash should probably be in my team, but you know, big up Matip, the uh, the great adventurer. Um, we're moving on to well, we're running out of time actually, but we will move on to our. Flops of the season we'll start with because I think this is quite a quick and we don't have to talk about them all in detail. It's more of a segment for us to just take the piss out of players who've been awful. Um, have you got 10 names? I've got 10 names. I just kind of picked out players that I think have, have either performed really, really badly whilst they were really, really good last season and players that have come in, uh, signings that have flopped as well. So I've got, I've got 10 names here. Okay, so I think what we do, I'll read out my 10. You- you read out your turn, and we'll just quickly talk about certain players. So, yeah. for, for who, who I think has been the flop of the season, it's not really his fault. Well, it's not 100% his fault, but I've gone with Jaden Sancho because, well, we can go into detail later, but I just think Sancho has been so far below the level I thought he'd be. And compared to Dortmund, it's just, it's, he's not even the same player. But Sancho for me is the top flop. And behind him, I've got Sal Niguez, Vlasic, Danny Ings. Harry Kane, Jack Grealish, um, Nicholas Ooh. Pepe, Brian Gill, Luke Shaw, and my uh, my worst enemy for FPL, good old Delhi fucking Alley. Um, I, I see. I knew you'd put Sancho in, so I thought I'd go down a different route. I've got very similar to that. Um, my flop of the season. Are we going to talk signings, or should we just do general flop? Just do general flop. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a signing. So my general flop of the season actually um, is Kai Havertz because I thought oh, I didn't even put season, him in. I thought it would be the season where he lifts off. And it did look like that way at one point, and his overall play has still been decent, but his stats are awful. His stats are they, they are showing how much of a product that man actually has in the Premier League. And well, opinion, I've only got to speak about one game, mate, and that was uh, Norwich. Yeah. Uh, where Lukaku is out and many people like me thought, you know what, I'm going to captain Kai Havertz. I was actually going to triple captain him on uh, fantasy football and he literally did nothing. Uh, it, despite you winning like 7-0. I, he was the only he, person possible could play an attack for Chelsea in a 7-0 and do nothing. He's got no he end product. He is a passenger in a lot of games. I mean, he's, yep. the thing is, like, he did score our winning goal in the Champions League and I think that might be the best moment he has for us. Um, because since then he has done fuck all, and in my opinion, he has been pushed. He's, he's actually almost, I, I think, going to be pushed out the team a little bit because um, his overall play is kind of being outdone by by Hudson Odoi and other players. Even though Hudson Odoi's got their own product, but they've got the same problem with Havertz. Um, and I just, I just think that he he just seems like a passenger a lot of the time. And Lukaku coming back in means he's not going to play up front. So. For me, Kai Havertz is the biggest flop, and I really, really um, 
hate saying that because I still think there's a very, very good player in there. And I'm sure he tur- he turns it on in some games. But overall, it's just so disappointing to see someone that has so much potential play so badly. Yeah, well, I didn't even think about Havertz, but just because I, I didn't really rate him last season, as, as you know. And the thing with Havertz, it, there is a good player in there. So he's not he's not an awful player. It's just considering how much he was hyped up, he's he's been really poor this season. And I, I, I think, actually I think, think it, it's get, Well, I was going to say, I think it's got to the point where he kind of needs to move away. Yeah, I, I think it's... The, the thing is, I think it's most frustrating for me because I remember watching it by Leverkusen and thinking this guy's amazing. And then watching yeah. him a few games for us where he's been ridiculously good, especially in the Champions League, and seeing him play for Germany as well. And then just watching him this season in the Premier League and just thinking, what does this guy actually offer us? What does he offer us that we don't already have? Yeah. Um, and I don't really, really know what that is. Well, considering how much he actually cost you, I think you might. Exactly. Yeah, he costs you exactly. so much money, and he he pretty much offers you the same as what Blimmin Ross Barkley offers you. So I don't, that's the thing for me. that's so disappointed with him. He's just he's he's turned to just such a mediocre forward now. Yeah, and I, just I, think, I, I think I put him as a. No, I was going to say I think the biggest problem for him is just physicality. I, I don't think he suits the Prem. I think he okay. he shows in Champions League that he still can do it, but in the Prem again, especially when he plays as like a false nine, he just can't do it against like Premier League centre backs. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so yeah, Kai Havertz top flop for me, just because of how much how disappointing he is yeah. to what he should be. So my other nine, I've gone with Bruno Fernandes, um, because yeah, he's just been such a disappointment compared to last season. He hasn't had a terrible season. He's still had five goals and a few assists, but it's just because just because compared to last season, like it's it's just nowhere near. He was probably the best player in the league last season, and now look at him. Um, and I don't know how he fits in that system with Franjic. Anyway, uh, I've also gone for Danny Ings, who uh, I don't know what's yep. going to happen to him now. I'm going to speak Wan- about him in a bit. I've gone for Aaron, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a Fuck joke right now. Luke Shaw, obviously, another yep. disappointment. Saul Niguez, I'm not even going to talk about him much. Uh, I don't want to. Um, Delhi Ali. Uh, great fantasy player. Uh, Theo Walcott. I've gone for Theo Walcott just to put a sound oh, player in there. Um, he's not flopped. Absolutely nothing. And to be honest, he's flopped because last season at least he did have an impact. And he did score quite a few goals. Yeah. And this season he yeah, fair enough. nothing. Um, I've gone for Emi Bendia, who I thought would be decent. Yes. He actually done nothing as well. Um, and the last one I've gone for is actually because Bamford's been injured for half the season. I've gone for a Leeds player, because I feel like you have to. I've gone for Jack Harrison. Yeah, he's um, been really poor this season. dropped off a lot. Yeah, they've missed him a lot, actually. Yeah, I think not having him Matt. on the left wing for them has really, really <laughs> affected them. Mate, can you imagine where Leeds would be? I know this sounds stupid, but if they didn't sign Dan James, they would be so poor. Like, they are poor, but they'd be, they'd be awful. Yeah, they, they, there's a lot of players. There's like a few players you take out of them and they'd be basically in fucking League One side of this rate. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've got Blooming Gerhardt leading the line. Uh, it's not oh, like good him. for Leeds, is it? I like, I like no, him. He's a, but he's, he should be leading He's a good player. But, yeah. Um, well, a few players I want to talk about on your list. Theo Walcott. I see what you're saying there. I, I see what you're trying to do. But the, th- the thing with Walcott, mate, I, I never. I know I jokingly last year made that bet uh, comparing him to Werner. Which should end very well, but um, I just never expected Walcott this season to be. Like, I just forget he plays for us. He's just 
And it, it, what annoys me with Walcott, he's on so much money. He, he, he's our highest earner by a mile. I think he's on 100 grand a week, which if it was Theo Walcott from 2011, then fair enough. But he's not. He's not that quick at all, actually. And he does nothing. He's got no end product. He's actually worse than Nathan Redmond, which I thought I'd never say. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing with Walcott. And some man I want to mention is um, a very um, soon-to-be hairless at the Inks because... That man was a saint at Southampton and was getting in England squads, was one of the best players, well, strikers in the league. Oh, no, a and he thought, you know what, I can, yeah, I, I can move to a bigger club. First of all, he only went to Villa, who obviously are a bigger club than Southampton, but come on, mate, get a bit more ambition than that. And we got £30 million for him, replaced him quite well, and he's just done nothing. He started off quite well, but the thing is with Ings, as we always know, he gets injuries. Southampton did really well to keep him pretty much injury-free at the time he was here. And that's why he was getting in England squads. But with Villa, as soon as he gets injured, you've got another England international there, Volley Watkins, who's going to come in. And straight away, he's just lost his place. And he, he's looked terrible under Gerard, actually, Danny Ings. Yeah. I, I think I think he's uh, he's someone that was brought in by Dean Smith and someone that is not going to work at Villa overall. And with Steven Gerrard there, God knows where he's, where he's going to go now. Watkins has looked good, so... What's the point, Danny Ings? I think I think he'll move to us. I think he'll move quite soon. I don't know who's going to take him. Uh, we should probably resign him. I I will find him find it so funny if he ends up at like a West Brom or something. That will just crack me up. I wouldn't want to see that to be honest, because I think he's still someone that is capable of playing the Premier League. Like for, yeah, for he's still he's still a good player. I think I think Danny Ings should go to like an Everton or something when they inevitably lose Calvert Lewin. I think he's an Everton sort of player. I think Southampton sort of player. I think he needs to revive. He needs to go back to Southampton, and then you have uh, Ings, Adam Armstrong, partnership. I don't think we will take him back. Unfortunately, I, I like despite me being salty earlier. Obviously, take Danny Ings back because he's better than Adam Armstrong, and we're not going to be able to keep Breuer. So, well, how we say his name? We'll just butcher that. But um, yeah, Danny Ings for me has been such a flop. And there's one more man that I've included that I do want to touch on. We won't touch on everyone, but Jack Grealish is a weird one for me because, as you know, I love Jack Grealish. And I thought he was going to be really, really good for City. But stats-wise, he's been so disappointing. And whilst he, like we're talking about Bernardo Silva, has basically until recently played most of the minutes for uh, Pep. And his all-round game has been good. He's just not hes not taken off like we thought he would. And I think he's yeah. going to be like Sterling, where it takes him a good couple of seasons to proper hit it off and develop that um, goal-scoring action for this game. Yeah, I think that's a fair analysis. I think... Um... Grealish, I think the thing with Grealish is it's 100 million. And that's a big yeah, price tag. So much money. The pressure of having that price tag on you is, is quite, quite difficult. And the thing is, I, I do agree about the thing he will lift off at some point. But for now, um, he is not getting those numbers. Yeah, well, the thing is with him as well, he's, getting those, he's not getting those numbers. But he's also not a young player now. He's, I think he's nearly 26. And he, he is 26. Yeah, he's 26, and there's not me writing Grealish off, far from it, because he's shown how good he is at times. But the thing is, for 100 million, you could, as Man City, you could probably sign about four other Jack Grealishes right now for 100 million. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I know he was ridiculously good for Villa, but is he worth 100 million? Definitely not. It's just because he's like England's future poster boy. Yeah. And, well, Jack Grealish has probably uh, slept with, well, cheated on his girlfriend more times than he scored goals for Man City this season, so. That sums his season up, really. Yeah. Big up Emily Atak. Big jugs. Um, I'll have to cut that out. 
<laughs> oh, Charlotte Hinchcliffe. Um, is is there anyone else that you want to mention flops this season? Um, I mean, we we talked about Sandra before. I just want to kind of say the whole Leeds team, basically, apart from Rafinha. Just just put that in there. Yeah, Stuart Dallas has been a massive. They, They've just been in a massive slump and compared to last season, last season people actually feared playing against them because they were just, they would, they'd be so relentless and players like Stuart Dallas and Luke Ayling would somehow give you a hard time and now it's just like, especially when fantasy, when a team's playing Leeds, you just know they're going to score goals. And, you know, yeah. Leeds fans, you know, I know quite a few Leeds fans, um, I don't like them, but, um, and they were all, Paul they were all basically, yeah, they would all basically what um, the elephant. Um, they'd all basically um, write Leeds off right now, basically saying we're going to get relegated, and they know it. They know it, and I think yeah, uh, my dad, who is a Leeds fan, predicting they get Champions League this season, has just basically faded, <laughs> and they're going to probably get Championship. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, Marco Bielsa could just be included as a flop of the season because I just don't see what he's doing with his team now. I really think he can sack. Yeah, I think he could get sacked because the thing is, he's not going to change. No, because it's Bielsa. He's not going to listen to anyone. No, of course not. Well, you know, he's gone from potentially getting sacked and relegated from Leeds. And uh, last season, I think it was, he uh, got nominated for Manager of the Year, which I thought was an absolute load of rubbish. So I'm actually quite happy to see. I'm not a fan of Bielsa ball. I think, I think it's really old-fashioned, like, championship ball. Like, this whole murder ball thing is so stupid. Like, you've got a squad that, take a few players out, is a championship squad anyway. Then you've got that squad with loads of injuries and you, you, you play murder ball, mate. You wonder why half your squad's injured. I think it's also the fact that um, it works for a season and then it, it goes. And I think that seems yeah. to be all, always the case with Bielsa for a lot of the time. You get um, burnout. Especially with the quality of the players he's got at his disposal. Yeah. No, I, I see that. Um... Someone who I didn't really touch on, but I do want to mention, is because uh, he's an interesting one, actually, is uh, Nicolas Pepe. Because I really thought at the end of last season, like this was the Nicolas Pepe that they spent £70 million on. He ended the season really well. I think he scored like five goals in six games. Yeah. And he's just... Uh, he, does he even exist, Nicolas Pepe? Like, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I saw him play for Arsenal. I've only seen him play in the Cups recently. Yeah. And that sums it up. Like he can't get in the team at the moment at all because of how good Marcelli, Saka, Smithrow, Odegaard have been. He he can't get in the team. Mm, yeah. So I don't know if it's so much him playing badly or it's them playing really well. Yeah, it's a bit of both to be fair. But I just a bit disappointed with him. Um, oh, actually, there's someone. There's someone we haven't mentioned. I've just realised. How have we not mentioned this guy? Is it Leon? Daily. No, no, Aubameyang. Oh, crap. Yeah, well, fuck, Jesus Christ. Aubameyang, he probably won't yeah. be an Arsenal. I don't think that man's going to play for Arsenal ever again, to be honest. I, I think, think he's done. done. I think he'll end up at Barca. Yeah. He's sure. just, he's a joke. Like, he's not actually, the thing is with him, he's not actually that good anymore anyway. No. He's really And the way he acts is, he's meant to be the club captain, for Christ's sake. He's just, He's embarrassing. He's meant to be like 32 years of age. And he's just... Yeah, he's he's not what you want in your club at the moment. And I think the thing with Arteta, as we know, if he's got a problem there, that's it. They're done. And I think that's the case of them. 
And the thing that's telling for me is I think, well, dropping someone like Aubameyang, who has the influence he does and, you know, he's a massive name, could disrupt a, um, a dressing room. And I think the response from Arsenal since they've dropped him kind of tells you that the younger players actually don't respect him either. And they just think, well, yeah. good riddance. So, yeah, he, I forgot about him. There's a lot of players who we could have mentioned who have just been so rubbish that I've forgotten they exist. Um, I think that kind of covers it, doesn't it, for flops? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on. We'll try and get through this because we we have been quite long on this, but we'll quickly talk about some of the signings of the season. I know you said you, well, you said Ramsdale, didn't you, whilst we were talking about team of the season. Uh, is Ramsdale your number one? Ramsdale is my number one sign of the season, yeah. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that, except from um, I have actually put someone number one ahead of him. And uh, it's good old uh, Emmanuel Bonaventure popping up again on my list. Good old Emmanuel Dennis. I I know people will laugh, and I know you are laughing right now, but yeah. genuinely, mate, but Ramsdale obviously has had such an impact on Arsenal, and long-term he probably is the best signing. But I just think that the amount Dennis was signed for and his goal returns, even if he played no more games, it's just an incredible, incredible signing. And I think if he keeps Watford up in the Premier League, he could even be in for a shout for player of the season. That's how good he's been for him. And that's why I put number one. He has a big impact, but I feel like um I just I just know that it's gonna be a point where he does drop off. Yeah, and, well and I think that'll be after yeah. AFCON. And and I think and I think that Ramsdale is also I mean he was signed for more money, but he also like no one thought anything of it when Arsenal signed Ramsdale. Like people just yeah. thought, oh, why why the sun? You know, just sounds like Arsenal. At that point, they were thinking, right, the sun's like Arsenal, something I around still. I remember seeing it all over Instagram and Twitter and everything. Just seeing like it was like a joke signing. And now look, like he's yeah, fair enough. He's England been number one. Yeah, he, he's really turned it. Well, he's turned people's perceptions around a bit. Definitely, I saw him on um, the Ben Foster's uh, the Foscar. Shout out Ben Foster, um, and. He was talking about how he knew, like, he, he was hearing the things people say about him after he got relegated. And he just thought, well, you know what? I'm going to shut you all up. And that's exactly what he's done. It, it literally took him, like, a week to get into the Arsenal team. And now Bert Leno, who actually is a pretty good keeper, Bert Leno. He's not like, an awful keeper. He's going to have to move somewhere now. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take that. I definitely would take that over 40-year-old Willie Caballero. But, um, and uh, Fraser Forrester. Um, we'll move on from Ramsdale. and. Well, who, who have you put for your second place in? Uh, for second, I've gone with, actually gone with another keeper, I've gone with Jose Sarr. Is it Sarr? Yeah, Sarr's mm. on my list. I've put Sarr fourth, but obviously we've talked about Sarr already, but yeah, what what signing he's been. Very good sign. Actually, when in terms of signings that like were most needed, he probably is the most important signing because obviously they lost Patricio, so that actually is such a good signing for Wolves. I think he's had a very, very big impact in terms of his... Um, you can just see the way, the way they organise now. They just seem a bit more yeah. solid than they were before. And I'm not saying they weren't before, but they seem taking it up a level, basically. Yeah, and he's a lot better He's a lot better with the ball at his feet than Patricio. Patricio was like an old-fashioned shot-stopper. wasn't awful with the ball at his feet, but the, uh, Jose Sarr, very modern, like very modern-day goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, I think that's enough from Sarr. Um, I put Ramsdale second, so we won't talk about him anymore. I actually put Conor Gallagher as third. And the thing with Conor Gallagher for me that puts him third is just, 
a lot of loan signings don't really do a lot. I know we had Jesse Lingard last season, which was very similar to this, but usually someone comes in, they don't do a lot, and that's the end of that. Whereas Gallagher has come in on loan and he's well in contention for the team of the season. And he's the sort of player I look at now and think he could be the modern day Frank Lampard. He, he's been yeah. so good for Palace and also just because as, as good as Palace have been under the air, eight Gallagher out of that midfield, and they're just they're back to the same old like Roy Hodgson Palace because without him in that midfield, they've got the most boring and flat midfield ever. The air is just very well bringing him in. I'll say that, yeah. So um, I, I'm a big fan of Gallagher. Yeah, I I put Dennis third. And I put Gallagher. Okay, fourth. all right, that's interesting. We, we've, so we, we've pretty much in the top four have agreed. Really, we've just done it in different orders. Yeah. So who's fifth for you? So this is a controversial one, but I have I have put Ronaldo at fifth. And the thing is with Ronaldo, because he is Ronaldo and he's obviously going to be quite good, he's kind of forced his way in my list because it's a weird signing. Like, you either analyse it as performances as a signing or do you analyse it as, like, what does that signing mean for the club? And if you're doing it with that sort of thinking, then he wouldn't, wouldn't even be on my list. But I just think he has been so important for United. When they have, like, pulled things out the bag, it's because of him. And um, I think he's been better than a lot of people thought. I think a lot of people thought he was going to flop this season. And he's mm. actually been quite good. But, you know, I won't say too much now. It's, it's a weird one to uh, analyse how good his signing's been. Yeah, I, I think that Ronaldo has been uh, influential in good and a bad way. And I think the reason he is in my top 10, but he's not fifth. I've put Marcel Odegaard fifth um, because I feel like Marcel Odegaard's only had a good influence on Arsenal and... In the last few games, he's been one of the most important players. And I think it sums it up by the fact that me and you both put him in our fantasy because even though he's the one, he's not like Marcinelli or Smith-Rowe Saka scoring all the goals, he is getting so many assists at the moment because he's the one linking up all the play. And he's, he's yeah. proving why he was rated so much when he was so young because th- this is what he was meant to do. And I think yeah. he's, he's actually, actually been brilliant for Arsenal. And See, I, I didn't put Odegaard in just because... I. Obviously, he is a new signing, but because he was on loan last season, I just thought I'd, I'd save his space for an actual new signing. But he has been very good this season. He's been better than he was last season when he was on loan. And yeah. a lot of people are talking about him now being the closest thing to Mesut Ozil. And I, I, I see why, because he, his link-up play is fantastic. And again, he's another person that is a very good leader. Arsenal got a lot of good young leaders in their team. He, yeah. he seems to be doing a lot of like talking on the pitch and... He he's just he plays a lot older than he um, he seems a lot older than he is. But when he plays, he's he's a very good player for Arsenal, and it's, it's a good signing because a lot of people uh, a lot of people took the mick out of them signing him permanently. I think me and you both went, oh, why have they done that? Yeah. So it's a good good signing that. Um, so who, so Martin Odegaard was for you. Who who have you put yeah. sixth? I put Kurt Zuma in sixth. Because, I forgot uh, about I Kurt Zuma because he's Kurt been injured. Zuma. It's a good good pick. Yeah, I, Kurt Zuma has had a really, really good impact on West Ham. And I think that him coming from Chelsea um, was a very good signing for West Ham in terms of you know reputation. Um, and I think that he actually has been their best defender and one of the best defenders in the league before he got injured. That injury is a real, real shame um, to have him out. But in general, I, I've, I'm really, really happy for Kurt. I'm really glad that he's uh, like found his own basically in West Ham and found a consistent place to play because uh, I was always concerned that he'd end up somewhere where he 
but either kind of flop and, and just be there to, to, to fill in. But he actually is someone that now has a main, he's a mainstay in the team and he just, he actually looks better than he was at Chelsea. And I think for me, that, that's the sign that he is, he is, um, he's up to it. Yeah, no, I, I think Kurt Zoom has really changed his uh, career around and I was actually quite sad for him when he left Chelsea because I, re- I really rate Zuma. So I'm happy for, uh, he's doing well at West Ham and I hope he gets back to uh, where he was when he gets fit again. Um, yeah. I've gone for my sixth place. I've gone for Josh King. Uh, continuing, I don't know if you can tell, I'm kind of secretly a Watford fan. But So for sixth place, I've put Josh King. And um, I know it seems like to everyone I'm secretly a Watford fan, but I just think in terms of signings who like largely important to their team. You take Josh King and Dennis out of Watford, then they're just they'd all be relegated in my opinion. And he's really changed people's perceptions of him because the, the Everton loan did not work out for him. And I think he's come back with a, a massive point to prove and a, a massive chip on his shoulder, you could say. And um he's he's very, very important for Watford. That's all I have to say about King. Um who's your next block uh, so what who's your next signing? Uh, so I've got in seventh. I've got Cristiano Ronaldo, pretty much for the yep. same reasons that you said for him being fifth. But I put him seventh. Um, I would put him higher, but I feel like he had some negative impacts in the team in terms of the fact that I mean against Newcastle, attitude was awful. It was and, awful. I will. I, I will admit that. that. I don't know how much of influence he's having on some of the younger players of that sort of thing. And yeah. I think that he. I just think he, he's kind of gone in there. It's a weird signing because it just seems a bit like... Um, I've never seen Ronaldo play under uh, a, rank, a sort of ranking system. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens because Ollie didn't really have a system. So forget that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens under this sort of system, whether he adapts to it well. I hope he does, obviously. So I've got in seventh place Damari Gray who has been a bit quiet recently, but similar to a lot of these signings, actually. He, um, it's been very surprising for Everton. And like what we were saying about Josh, well, what I was saying about Josh King, I think Everton without Damari Gray or Andros Townsend, who could even be mentioned here, they'd have no spark in their team. He, he's one of the few players that actually uh, gets Everton fans excited on the ball. And I'm happy for him as well, like many players, because he's, he's turned his career around. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. I think he could get a move away from Everton, maybe because I don't. I don't think consistently he's going to be like that great for Everton, but he could move to another club and do pretty well for them. But who have you put in eighth? Um, I'm just going to do eight, nine, ten, just speaking up yep. a little bit. Um, so in eighth, I've put uh, Maxwell Corney. Um, yeah, he's been ridiculous at Burnley. Like before, they had all these bloody uh, suspensions of games. He Banging them in, and I think uh, he's a good fancy player as well for me. Um, he uh, has really proved himself after what was kind of a sort of shaky career at Lyon, um, but obviously proved that he actually is a good, very good striker and a left back. Um, yep. Then in ninth, I've put Armando Breuer, Chelsea Loney. Yeah. I think he's been brilliant for Southampton. He stepped up. Yeah, he has. Adams and Armstrong haven't been scoring, um, so I think he's been very important for Southampton this season. And in tenth, I've put Takahiro Tomoyasu. Um, who yep. is the biggest surprise to me because I really a couple of months ago I said what's the point of playing this guy right back like he's six foot two he's built like a centre back and he doesn't seem like a right back he's actually been unreal he's been, yeah, he's been very he's good. probably one of the most underrated players for Arsenal in, in their sort of rise up the table so Tommy Asu for me gets in that top ten okay so I'll do the same as you I've 
I've put um, Livermento in at eight, who yeah. I think nobody would have heard of before he moved to Southampton. And he, Not me. What, well, obviously you have because you're a Chelsea fan, but I hadn't heard. Well, I'd heard of, it, heard of him, but I didn't know anything about him as a player. And um, whilst we didn't need a new right back, he's actually solved a lot of issues because it means we could uh, push Carl Walker-Peters into left back. And we've actually been really, we looked really good in those areas now. We've got two competent attacking fullbacks. And it'll just be interesting to see where he goes after because he's definitely not going to stay at Southampton. Um, I've gone ninth with uh, Tommy Asu, for all the reasons you said. He's been a very, very solid player and is key for Arsenal's uh, success at the moment. And tenth, this is a weird one, but I've gone for Cucurella for Brighton because. No, I've, no I, he, was, he was there for me. He's up there for me. Really? The, the thing with Cucurella for me is um, I've watched Brighton too many bloody times play Dan Byrne, who is six foot seven at left back, or I don't know. They, they Cucurella is just like I think he's a key Graham Potter uh, player for like his um, his style of football and his philosophy, and he's just a very very good left back, very good footballer, good for his feet. And I think he's too good for Brighton. He's a, he is he's too good for Brighton. Brighton. I'd I'd be happy if he was still at Hatafe um, where he was before. And we need a left back. I'd be happy bringing him in. He's a baller. He would suit us brilliantly well. Yeah, um, he's a brilliant player. And I'm surprised Brighton have him. Well, kind of what you were just saying. I'm really surprised they signed him. It's yeah. been, it was really good for Getafe last year. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's our signings of the season. Um, again, very similar to each other with the names we're talking about. But um, a lot of solid signings this season because often a lot of uh, seasons, the big signings don't, don't pay off. But it's been... Very good uh, transfer window for some teams. Um, right, we're, we'll finish up the podcast on a little quiz that I prepared for you, Sammy. As I mentioned at the start, um, yes, it will include a lot of uh, what me and you like to describe as boy football knowledge. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's out of 33 points that you could potentially get because uh, they're, all, they're all multiple choice questions. So we'll start off with question number one. Who were the last six players to wear Manchester City's number nine shirt? The last six players? Yeah, so you'll get a point for each one you get right. Okay. Uh, so we've got Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Um, have we got Anatelli? No, he worked for 42, didn't he? Um, yeah. We've got Negredo. Yeah, Negredo's in there. Uh, Adebayor. Yeah. Uh, Joe? Nope. Joe didn't wear number nine. Okay, definitely think. Gredo. Aris Vassell? Nope. He wore number 10, I think. Uh, Borelli guy? What's his name? Um, What era are you talking about? It's like 2005, something like that. Are you talking about uh, Valerie Boyanov? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I could have potentially just given you an answer there, but never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, there's two um, more. Two more. Can you give me a clue? Because I don't know the others. All right, so one of them I don't know if you'll get. Um, the other one is he was the guy who wore it after Alvaro Negredo. And I think a lot of people play, uh, a lot of people forget he played for Manchester. Is it Nolito? Yes, it is Nolito. Yeah. Is the other one Trevor Sinclair? No, it's not. It's um, I'm trying to think. I'll think of a way to give you a clue, but if not, uh, I don't think you're going to get it. 
I think he is a um, a classic Belgian Congolese boy. Uh, Benjani? No. Belgian Congolese boy. Belgian Congolese boy. Um, I'm not sure what to be honest. So it is um, Emil Mapenza. <laughs> I would not have got that. But he, he wore it for two years for Man City. I've never heard of uh, it. <laughs> I didn't think you'd get him, but fair enough, you've got five out of six there. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Good numbers there. Okay, so the next one is who were the last six Englishmen to win the Premier League Manager of the Month award? Roy Hodgson. Uh, just let me check. Nope. Roy Hodgson's not in there. It, Graham Potter? Nope. Um, Frank Lampard? Yeah, Frank Lampard's in there. Not a lot of English players just left now. Um, Steve Bruce at some point? Nah. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of many English managers. Sam Allardyce? Nope. <laughs> Oh, mate, I've got no idea to be honest. This is a very tricky one because I don't, I can't remember many English managers okay. that are really good. Well, you could go on infinitely naming English managers. So I'll say I'll give you four more guesses. Chris, do you Hewton. want any? Did you say Chris Hutton? Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't think of any English managers who are actually any good in the last, in the, like the last twenty years. Talk, right. I'll give you a bit of a clue here. So. It's not always thinking about who were actually good. A lot of them are managers who came in and maybe had a bounce and then just did nothing afterwards. Tim Sherwood? No, but you're along the right lines of the sort of appointment. Right. Ryan Mason? No. No. <laughs> um... You've got two more guesses there. Fuck. Uh... You Sean are going to... Yep, Sean Dyche is one. Well done. There's. Um, you're going to piss yourself when I read out these names. Uh, Nigel Pearson. No. So, the ones you didn't get were Paul Clement for Swansea in 2017. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> um, it gets worse than that. Darren Moore for West Brom in 2018. Do you remember when he was really good? Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other one that you didn't get was Eddie Howe. He got it in October 2018. Oh, I should have got Eddie Howe, actually. Yeah. I think people forget Eddie Howe was actually really good for Bournemouth at one point. Yeah. But yeah, Darren Moore and Paul Clement is uh, some great football knowledge that. If you'd got those, honestly, if you'd got those, I would have been so I've sure. Got, I forgot those two existed. Mate, so. Yeah. Well, you're not doing too bad. You've still got two there. So you're on five at the moment. This this is a sort of question I expect you to thrive on here. This is a me and you question. So, who are the eight Portuguese Premier League medal winners? Ruben Dias. Yeah. Oh, let, hold on, I've noticed a problem. The question is nine because I forgot that uh, Ruben Dias had won it. Ruben Dias, Bernardo Silva. Yep. Yep. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep. Nani. Uh, Jack and Salo. Yeah. Okay, that's 10 then. <laughs> I'm useless. Okay. Ricardo Carvalho. Yes. Paulo Ferreira. Yeah. You've got seven, has, I think. Has Manish, has Manish won? 
Was he in our squad? He has not won it, no. He wasn't in that squad. De- Deco? Yeah, Deco is one of them. That's eight. You've got eight, so there's two more. Okay. Um, I don't think you, there's anyone from the Liverpool team. If I give you a clue, you are really close and in the right ballpark with Manish. Okay, so there was a there was a Portuguese boy that was at our team. No. Uh, he was a bit later on. Um, He's quite a well-known player. He played for quite a few big clubs. Well-known player. He played for Chelsea, because I'm listening. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to tell you what position he played? Yeah. Okay, he, he was a midfielder. Uh, my mind's gone blank, mate. I can't think of anyone. Okay, well, I won't tell you who it is yet, because there's one more option who I genuinely don't think you'll get. I was so shocked by this, because I forgot this guy played for the team he played for. Okay, so th- this the, the last person uh, was a Premier League winner for Arsenal in, I think, 2002. And he's also exactly the sort of player me and you would describe as an absolute boy. And he's definitely in your top Tramps uh, World Soccer Stars book. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm also Arsenal. proud of. Yeah, he played for Arsenal and I completely forgot he played for them. He, he played for two other big Premier League clubs, I think. In fact, he played for three Premier League clubs. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so do you give up? Yeah. Okay, well, you, you've got eight out of ten, which is very good. The one who played for Chelsea was Thiago. Oh, Thiago, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the, the other person who, when I saw the answer list, I thought, this guy did not win the Premier League, is Luis Boamorte. <laughs> I knew, I knew that's exactly how you do that. He, he won the Premier League for Arsenal. He actually played, I think, 25 games for him that season and scored no goals. What's and he also, I, I realised today, he played for Southampton in 2002, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, that's some knowledge for you there. If you didn't know that Luis Boamorte was actually an Arsenal uh, Premier I, League I, I forgot. I knew back in my mind that he was an Arsenal player, but I forgot. I just forgot he played for them, and I did not think he ever won the, the league with them. That is quite funny. Yeah, that is very funny. And um, Thiago is someone I've completely forgot played for Chelsea. Yeah, he's he's sort of uh, you know niche football knowledge. That Mani- the is fact you Mani- mentioned niche football knowledge, mate. The fact you mentioned the niche just shows how sad <laughs> we are. I completely forgot he played for Chelsea. Um, yeah. Right, moving on. So we've got two questions left. Um, this is a bit of an easier one. Who are the four Welshmen with Premier League goals or assists this season? Daniel James. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, I'm just going to say you've got you can you, you've got four like attempts at this. Okay. So Daniel James, Tyler Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Ben Davis. Yep, Ben Davis is one. There's one left. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna say some names, so don't put them down. Because um, don't give any more attackers. It's Joe Rodon. Don't think he's got a goal though. I think. So who else would it be? It could be Ralph Roberts. Joe Rodon. The Burnley. Because um, I can't think Welsh players of Villa, Arsenal, no. Uh, just thinking like team by team, basically. I can't think of many. Yeah. 
Welsh players. It's either going to be some sort of youth player that just like came on and scored a boy goal or something. Boy goal. Uh, let's go with Connor Roberts. It is not. It is, in fact, um, you're a big fan of this guy. It is uh, Neko Williams. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. When, when you mentioned Connor Roberts, I was just like, oh, dear. I just didn't think Neko Williams would, would have got a goal and assist. That's the yeah. I think he. I think he actually scored. I might be wrong there. I think he scored. Um, right. Question. The last question. You're, you're actually doing a lot better than I thought you'd do on this. Yeah. Who? This is such a really random question, but I just. It's the sort of thing I thought was really funny. So, who are the nine players who appeared for both Arsenal and Sunderland? <laughs> okay, Ali Adia. Um. Yeah. Seb Larson. Yeah. Wait. Um, Vito Manone. Yeah. Oh, this is quite hard, actually, because I don't know many of us after that. Uh, Sunderland, Sunderland. Oh, I just want to say, I made a mistake there. Ali Adier didn't play for Sunderland. He played for uh, Middlesbrough. Oh, all right, so I can't... Great. Um... You just got to think of some absolute boy players. They're all boy players, basically. Bentner, Bentner. And it, yeah. So that is, you've got three. There's someone in here just to give you a clue who you might not remember played for Arsenal, but he's an absolute legend. And yeah, he's a, he's a proper Premier League legend. <laughs> like in a good. Head. No, 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 no. Like in a good way. Not not like a boy legend. He's actually out and out like FIFA legend. But he was, but not for Arsenal. Not for Arsenal, because he, he, I think he came through Arsenal as a youth player. Stephen Fletcher. Fuck no! Right. <laughs> what I mean is, he is so he's such a legend that he, he I think he has an icon card on FIFA. That's what I'm saying. Oh right, well, uh, Aaron Ben. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of like players that play for Sunderland that have an uh, icon card. When when I read these names out, mate, you are going to. Fish yourself. Team Whitehead. <laughs> oh, oh, some of the names coming out here, mate. Kieran Richardson. No. Nope. Um, Do you give up? I don't know any others that pay Arsenal's on the so I can't think of any others. I just want to know what it is. <laughs> okay, alright. So you've got three, which is pretty good, to be fair. Do you want to know who the, the others are? Yes. So the guy who I was saying is a legend is actually Andy Cole. Oh. I, I did not, not know he played for Arsenal. I did not know he played for Arsenal, no. I, didn't even I knew he played for Sunderland. Yeah, it was near the end of his career. Did he play for Newcastle? Yeah, he played for Newcastle, yeah, City. And, and United. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so Andy Cole, <laughs> Justin Hoyt. Oh, um, my God. Oh, my God. Niall Quinn. I didn't know he played for Arsenal. Which not not really our era, but yeah, Niall Quinn. Nicholas Bentner, you said actually. Um, Stefan Schwartz. <laughs> do you even do you know who Stefan Schwartz is? <laughs> He's a Swedish footballer who played for Arsenal in the nineties. So actually, it was a bit harsh. I shouldn't have included it, but never mind. 
Um, Steve Bold. <laughs> and the uh, the last one is you're going to piss yourself with this. Is Mart Poom. Oh shit! Do you know who we forgot? Who? Danny Welbeck. Oh, of course. Yeah. I missed out with Danny Welbeck. Yeah. Oh well, I'll give you an extra point for that because you just outquizzed the quiz master. <laughs> Danny Welbeck. Forgot. I got he paid for something. Man, he's been about. He's still somehow actually okay. Yeah, he's, he's scored eight in thirty games with Brian, which isn't awful. Right, he's been better than he was at Watford. All right, so I'll give you four points there, which means I'll just add up what you've got. You have got 20... Oh, give me a second. So, Sammy Solden, you have finished up on 25 out of 36 in the end, which is pretty good. Check that. So... That ends the. That's, uh, actually, that's actually less times than Murray Cohen's got COVID. So. Yeah, well, by the end of the year, he might have got COVID 25 times. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. Shout out to you, Murray Cohen. Uh, European football legend. And uh, yeah, so that, that ends the podcast for us. I hope you um, enjoyed our analysis of uh, the 2020 to 2021 season. Sorry, the 2021 to 2022 season. And. Um, Enjoyed our references of um, Estonian football legends like Mark Boone. Um, and Danny Welbeck. Oh, yeah, and Danny Welbeck. If you, if, uh, and just to say, Sarge's dog has been found. Yeah, he's, been, he's um, actually getting taken to court because he hasn't paid the guy who found him. Um, he, pro- he promised to pay him 30, uh, pay 30 grand, whoever found it. And now the guy's found him, he's not paying up. So Danny, Danny Sturridge is going to be in uh, court soon. For fuck's sake. But yeah, so any any final thoughts, Sammy? My last final thought is uh, safe flight to Yvonne Hoffman, because that's her name now, because German governments can't even get a fucking name right. Tent her lesson with Yvonne Hoffman. Yvonne Um, Hoffman, right. Shout out to Yvonne. Patrick Hoffman. Um, Oh boy. So safe flight to Yvonne uh, to support Lisbon tomorrow. All right, well, I hope everyone enjoys a holiday. I'll, I'll say um, I hope uh, Faith April Gunasekera enjoys a shift back at Tenpin and has a very nice new year working in Tenpin, Colchester. Uh, yeah. Shout out to you. <laughs> and um, I think I'll end the podcast on saying that um, Kai Havertz definitely would not make the England squad. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> No, he definitely wouldn't. Not now. <laughs> No, it definitely fucking wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, we, we, if we hadn't um, spent so long waffling on about, well, just the way we were, we were going to include a debate section, which would have been that. And also, shout out to um, the legend. Oh, what it was going to be. <laughs> but it, it was <laughs> going to be that. Short, it would have been a short debate. <laughs> yeah. And th- that's for the context. It's because me and Sammy did used to have an argument about that and a passionate argument. Normally, when we were um, intoxicated with alcohol, and um, the other debate and talking point we were going to include, which we might still bring up in a further podcast, is something that is a, a shout out to the legend that is the Don Robbie Earl. And um, he once famously said, actually recently, that he thinks Thomas Partey is better than Kovacic. And most of Arsenal's midfielders were getting Chelsea's midfield. 
which I think both of you think is absolute bollocks. But yeah, um, I think we'll end the podcast there. So thank you for listening, if you've survived this two-hour-long podcast, and um, we'll see you next time. See you next time.